Blog Talk Radio. Like I said, in the main event, all three of them, 
we didn't really have like, oh, dude, this is a, you know, close to a 50-50 or anything like that, like on paper. But it turned out to be a pretty damn good weekend, okay? Then, of course, so we'll do the recap and whatnot. Even Bam Rodriguez, you know, had a had a pretty good performance. Didn't look all that phenomenal, but I didn't think looked as bad as some people were saying. But I, I didn't think he looked great, per se. But, you know, he ended up getting injured pretty bad. Um, so hopefully he's okay. Sorry about that. I'm not sure what happened. The Internet just kind of popped down there for a second. I know I just got a message from somebody. Let me know. It should be good to go. I kind of maneuvered something. Um, but anyway, um, and then, of course, we'll talk about the Joyce Zhang um, fight. Should be a good one, the undercard fight that I was really looking forward to. Uh, too bad. It's not going to happen. Um, I guess Medusa turned her eye to stone. No, I'm just kidding. That's the Medusa. I'm not bringing this up just because it's a female fighter. The fighter that was, you know, going to fight. Michaela, she uh, she unfortunately could not fight. She could not fight. And I issued that in 2019 it was okay to fight Taylor, but I guess now maybe it's taken more damage. I don't know, to be honest with you. But anyway, we're going to preview and predict that. Like I said, John should be calling in here in a short little bit. Um, Definitely looking forward to um, that fight. You know, just a good fight, nothing crazy. It's a, it's a prime example, though, of like, you know, I, I get the scheduling stuff. You know, I complain about some scheduling once in a while, no doubt. Last weekend was just nuts. Now, the main events or certain fights weren't on at the exact same time that the zone card, from, from what I heard anyway, because I didn't have the night off or anything like that, so I was busy that night. Um, you know, the, the, I'm pretty sure the zone cards started fairly early. So, but, you know, I do some complaining, of course, about this shit, right? And sometimes I think people, venue-wise, will go over the top complaining when they haven't even checked if those are available, like other places to put a fight or whatever. But um, it would have been nice if one of those cards could have been this weekend, right? I mean, we've literally don't have much here at all. We don't really as far as televised um, in the States. Like I said, I totally understand how there was kind of a clogged up date there the, the, you know, the weekend, the Saturday after the NCAA championship, the final four, I should say, in the championship on Monday. But the final four was Saturday for college basketball for those, uh, you know, outside of the U.S. going, what the hell is the NCAA? It's college basketball. It's called March Madness, even though, you know, the finals in April. Uh, so, you know, it happens. But, yeah, it would have been nice to, uh, <laughs> you know, it would have been nice to have some of that happen. It would have been great to, to be able to have one of these cards so we didn't have three cards going. Close to head-to-head now. Like I said, the zone card, uh, from my understanding, started earlier. And the, um, you know, the ESPN card in the Showtime started later so it is what it is i thought the best card as far as the televised top of the card uh was still the the showtime card um but on paper i liked the zone the zone card just because we had four fights that were kind of interesting 
And so I definitely going into it, you know, thought that they had the best lineup as far as fights. And, and we had, you know, we had some, we had some upsets. I mean, a whole lot of upsets. So, um, oh yeah. Then we'll go over a little bit of news. Dimitri Bivol is really going for it. Dimitri Bivol is really going for it. And he says he wants to fight at 168. He wants to fight Canelo at 168 for all the whole kit and caboodle, right? The whole kit and caboodle. And I remember a while back, that was what I thought was going to happen, or at least, you know, there's nothing signed or whatever, but I really did think that there was a good shot at that because he was talking about it, but also the Canelo side, they've kind of gone back and forth. You know, the, some, I've heard him say, oh, Canelo, he's going to do 168, that's my natural weight, and how, you know, 178, two different times now he's been at the 175 limit. Um, he doesn't look all that good, to be honest with you you know, against Kovalev and Bivol. Now, you could say Styles play into that as well. And both of those guys have really good jabs. And, and there's more to it. But Bivol, in, in of, of late, Canelo has said he was going to go to 175. And, you know, he doesn't want to switch it. He wants to have that win. Uh, there's also this quote today on BoxingScene.com that you're like, really? Okay, buddy. But, that you know, that, that happens. I think every fighter can have some, huh? Or someone out of their camp or whatever can have some kind of crazy quotes or uh, maybe look like Oscar did uh, in that shot that people are spreading across. No, not trying to rip him. It's just like, whoa, dude, calm down. Anyway, um, I mean, for for Bivol to go to 168, that that would be that'd be really interesting. That would be really interesting. And he has said he could make the weight. Now, you know. It's been, you know, he's been at light heavyweight for a long-ass time, so we'll see where that goes. Um, the Canelo Ryder undercard, we're not going to get into that much. There is some fight news in general. There is this rumor going around, um, and uh, there is a quote-unquote source, but, you know, we'll get to it a little later in the show. Potential four-man heavyweight championship, uh, not championship, a four-man tournament. Um, and it's the four guys you'd like to see mixed up. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Joe Joyce has got a fight coming up this weekend, but the four fights that basically it'd be cool to see all kind of blend together. Um, now it's a rumor. Um, and, and when you start to see AJ's or when you start to kind of put stuff together, it's not out of the realm. And the reason why I say that is because randomly, you had basically it's Fury. Um, God, what is it? Is it Fury AJ or is it Fury Usyk? Right? Or is, no, yeah, it's Fury Usyk. What am I saying? I'm all I'm, I'm all screwed. Fury Usyk and then Wilder, and uh, that's what the rumor is. We'll go over it a little, a little later in the show. Um, but the reason why I bring it up, well, it's an interesting talk or whatever, but. You know, not long ago, out of nowhere, this is AJ posting, my next fight is scheduled for December. Not ideal, but everything is part of a bigger picture. And it's like, what? What, what do you, what, what? 
Now, Talk Sport, Simon Jordan, you know, UK fans, you know, know him more than we do here. But, um, you know, I don't know. But there's fights in between. Like, Fury is rumored to have a potential fight, and same with Usyk, so they wouldn't be just sitting around. And we've also heard, you know, more about actually, you know, not, it's actually not some sort of, uh, like, Wilder would still fight probably. And, you know, they're not just going to sit around. Same with AJ. You know, um, maybe they're going to get it figured out. Although we've heard all going to have a fight and then fight in December. That would be great. That would be great. And and obviously it's in Saudi Arabia. That's that's where, you know, that kind of money would be. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss it a little bit. There are some other, uh, you know, um, fight news out there and whatnot. But um, like I said at the top of the show, I'm not going to do my normal round-by-round round stuff just because we're so far removed. Just kind of got kind of go back and forth here with John, bring him into the fold right now, and talk about a weekend that John, the weekend that we had, it was you know on paper the main events didn't do a whole lot for us. Obviously, we both thought well two out of the three are pretty much we know how they're going to turn out. We thought Mendoza could make it competitive. We weren't calling for a knockout. <laughs> I don't know anybody that was. Um, but we had some really competitive fights on the undercards. We also, you know, we had some major upsets, obviously. The Mendoza and, and MJ got beat. But we also had, of course, because it's boxing, right, we had some just horrible scorecards as well, which, you know, that's always a fun little uh, throw in there. But um, first and foremost, how you doing? And, uh, you know, it turned out to be a, a pretty damn good day of boxing. Uh, last weekend. Yeah, I'm doing well, Chris. Uh, ho- hope the same with you. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, last weekend didn't have a lot of competitive odds fights on paper, but I did find myself entertained by that whole day Saturday. And, you know, sometimes even though we follow it closely as much as we can, you know, there's so much boxing on nowadays as we've talked about. And a lot of times they conflict. You don't always have the luxury, if you even want to call it that And with some of these bad fights, it's more like a job than a luxury, but of seeing everything, especially when in the same day. Uh, but this particular weekend, I, I had the time and I decided to make the effort of the setup and, you know, you had the zone, ESPN, ESPN Plus, and the Showtime all going on on Saturday, and and um, a lot of it conflicting at the same time. I, I went with the three different device and TV setup, and I was able to catch just about every fight, even though there were three cards going on. Now, you know, as we know, you have to flip back and forth some when you do that, or look from to your different devices. Um, but out of the three cards, including the you know preliminary cards, the before the bell on the zone, I pretty much caught everything except, and I'm talking live, like I when we always discuss. I just don't think it's the same when you have to replay it if you know the result. It's better than not seeing it, but there's nothing like seeing it live. So I caught about them all live. The only thing I missed most of was just again because trying to watch it all was the. So as we get into it, was the first featherweight 
fight on the Showtime card. I didn't really catch uh, much of that. And um, that was uh, pretty much it. I I pretty much uh, was able to, you know, get back and forth and uh, and catch it all, starting, you know, so in order in the U.S., the, the zone card started the earliest uh, in the early afternoon. Um, and, you know, there, there was some – not competitive, like like you said, you know, and all these cards, there, there was some uh, entertaining stuff on there. Um, for me, really, the first so what kicked it off, I you know, I saw Khalil Coe score a big knockout over an overmatched opponent, but you know, he's from Jersey City. This is a guy who, you know, he had he had problems, he was shelved, um, but you know, was, was a highly regarded amateur guy with with power. And we didn't see that at all in his first few fights, but you saw you saw some of that. And uh, you know, light heavyweight, there's some openings in that division. If he stays more aggressive, uh, he looks like a guy that uh, can be a factor. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, should, do you want to go with that zone card then? Just start there. Yeah, I, if well, you're good with that, I can like you, them in all all in order. Yeah, like that's I fine. Said, I, I so let's just go with the zone. So I don't know if you got to catch Co, but uh, the power was there that when he, you know, came out and Hearn ended up signing him. Um, you know, so this was on. You know, the zone is calling that now before the bell. This kind of stuff you and I talk about. It's worth noting. So it's getting a little better. Where you know you've got those fights kind of put off. A lot of people don't like the title before the bell, which I do understand because it's actual fights, but the idea, I actually like the idea how, you know, they've been kind of separating it off because like you and I have said, we, it, they're not still telling you when each fight's going to start, but at least that's one step closer. You know, we've got to have these things clearly separated off. So that way you can make a choice. It was still early in the day in the U.S., so I ended up catching some of these. Um, you know, Mark, Mark Castro, his his finish was good at the end, um, but he didn't look that good in the fight before that. Um, you know, he, he another you know the, some of these prospects, you know, you don't hear as much about. They're they're you know they're they're good and they they have a chance to be a factor. Of course, Castro, one of those guys. I like his finish though. It, it was kind of a, a funny performance. Uh, he he didn't look that great, but then when he opened up to finish, he did, he did look, look pretty good in the finish. So there was a, there was a glimmer there. I don't know if you got to see Castro at all, but, uh, you know, not yeah, great. I just saw but highlights then, of that. Okay. Decent finish. Then one thing that was interesting, probably not that many people caught it, but you understand their promoters, they're still selling. And sometimes I almost think it depends what kind of mood they're in too, but you know, then they had Hearn come on, you know, like at the end of the before the bell thing and um, or sometime during it, talking for a while, but it actually was pretty good. Like Hearn, he was doing what he does in his British cards more. I hadn't seen him do it as much in the U.S., but showed – not that he shouldn't have it, but he did show a lot of knowledge of all his guys and, you know, U.S. guy, U.S.-based guys and – you know, it, it does show you that he's still going and he's taking it seriously there, whatever you think of it. But I did think he made so he, he made some points we know, but it was interesting to me to hear Hearn and a promoter actually admit to it. Now, 
you know, boxing's the toughest sports. I want the fighters getting paid, and, you know, they're in a dangerous situation. But with that known, what I liked that Hearn was saying was, Hearn was saying kind of like, like we talk on here, like, look, you know, if I have a guy and he needs a fight and, he, you know, I'm putting him on the before the bell, you know, he needs to look good. He needs to get people talking about him. You know, Hearn basically saying that, you know, it, it's not good. And, and I hadn't heard Hearn talk about that this like this that much. It might have been because it was his U.S. guys, but he is correctly identifying that if he's talking to U.S. sensibilities. You know, he was saying if guys are used on that, they're not going to be on the main part of the card where more people are going to be watching. You know, they got to look better. You know, they got to get knockouts. Can't, can't be enough to just, you know, look look okay and, and kind of box around. And he, he was going through all the guys he had in the U.S., um, you know, on the court, which with pretty good accuracy and, and pretty good knowledge. Not that he shouldn't have of his own fighters, but even though that's promo type thing, I, I – said that a lot of times Hearn's good at that and I understand he's the promoter but he's got a talent for that and uh, that was very early in the day but I actually did like listening to him give that rundown I thought he was actually pretty candid whatever the mood was uh, talking talking about what some of these fighters need to do Um, and then that's right you also had on there again this was just a day filled of boxing and this it didn't get the knockout you were looking for, but it, it, it ended up being entertaining and was, you know, Madrimov fighting with a guy that came in late, but the guy just didn't want to go away. He was never really yeah. – he was never in danger of winning the fight. And, you know, even though he didn't get a knockout and Hearn was talking about Madrimov being a, a guy that, you know, kind of would normally need that. But if you watch that fight, I ended up giving him a pass because he wasn't – he was trying to he, – he's been doing this in more recent fights, like his two – he should have had two wins over Soro, even though he had the one at no contest, um, you know, I think. Um, and I thought Madrimov was looking pretty good in those fights. And some of his more recent fights, to his credit, he stopped that – he was doing that real amateur jumping in and out, you know, that you'd seen that got popular from the old uh, point-counting days. And, and he, he, he's one guy – you haven't seen it with a lot of, a lot of these am, uh, amateurs – when they became pro, but he's one guy that he has corrected that. And I, I, even though this guy wouldn't go away, he, he stayed with his more pro style, I'll call it. And, you know, he, he kept coming forward, moved around a little, but didn't jump in and out and was throwing bombs, but the guy just kept taking him. And uh, it actually was so, for, for that type of a fight that you would think, you know, would be nothing. It was entertaining. And I ended up giving the dream off a pass because, he was fighting a, a good-sized middleweight who just didn't want to go away that day, and uh, he was trying to get him out of there. And um, he was still moving forward like he had been against Soro when he'd been looking better. So I, I give him a pass on not getting that knockout, um, even though that's one you would have said he's got he's to knock this guy out. Uh, he's got to get some attention. Uh, and even Hearn was kind of, was talking that in in the that segment, but I I think this ended up being one you kind of just gave him a pass, and and he's still on track even though 154 is loaded, and he's not with the right promotional hookup in that division with who else is out there. Performance right. wise, I think he's himself on track. You know, as a legitimate top ten guy, really talent wise, probably more approaching the top half of the top 10, even though there's a lot of fighters we know in that division and a lot of, 
a lot of good action. So uh, I don't know if you got to catch any of that, but um, yeah, I saw that. I definitely saw that. I I, I agree with you. Um, I did get to see. Well, I got to see all the rest of them beyond. Uh, basically, the first three were just highlights that I watched. Um, although I did actually no, I did see the Jesus uh, Martinez Jose Lopez. Um, as well, but the the Thomas Batiste and uh, Ramiro, um, uh, what is it? Uh, God, what is his last name? I just spaced it. Let me look at my scorecard. Ramiro Cesana or whatever Cesana. It's funny because I was watching the replay and I had so on the replay. I don't know if this was happening live, but on the replay it had the English and the Spanish audio going at one time. So I was like, oh, okay. well, I'll just turn up. Yeah, I just turned down the volume and, and just kind of watched it. But um, the first three, four rounds, uh, I thought it was pretty it, – it was back and forth and whatnot, but it, it was pretty easy to score. And then I thought – well, first of all, Matisse, who we've seen, Thomas Matisse, a couple times on Showbox and other spots of late, he was really, you know, he got a point deducted. He, he was really, like, going, like, pushing the boundaries of, um, you know, kind of being dirty or whatever. Even though, you know, one time uh, that Ramiro kind of elbowed him and then Matisse just extended his elbow, like, majorly. Uh, but the round started getting closer, and Matisse really started, you know, pumping it up. And I think, um, I want to say... Yeah, he got. I think it was the eighth round that he got a point deducted there, but he was more on the stick and move, pot shot, and, and then you had um, Romero not cutting off the ring, not being able to follow up with more than one punch. But then, in the uh, I think it was the tenth round, just a, a really bad stoppage. It, you know, multiple right hands, mostly lead right hands were you know just a ton. He was getting hit with them. Don't get me wrong. I think it was a, a right-hand left hook that landed flush. Um, and, and you could see, you know, Sinisa was, you know, was definitely, like, bothered by it. But I thought it was an early stoppage. He wasn't – he was on the ropes, and he was taking some good shots, but he wasn't defenseless. He had his hands up. It looked like he was just trying to survive the last wave, and then he was going to go back because – I'm looking at my scorecard, and I probably would have had, yeah, would have had him winning had they had not stopped the fight. Now we don't know what would happen after that, but I did, I did have an issue with that stoppage. I thought that was pretty weak, um, and then I thought Raymond Ford looked, you know, had a pretty clean victory against a game fighter in Magdanello. Yeah, now the, the Matisse. That was the one I, I wanted to mention in addition to the Showtime featherweight opener on the main Showtime card. Those were the two fights right. I missed the most of. Now, I did catch the end of Matisse. Um, Matisse, I always ha- from the Showbox days, I've always felt like he was kind of an underrated fighter. Um, on the nights, he's looked good. I, I thought he showed quite a bit of potential. I might have been a little bit clouded. I, was ha- I did see the end of the fight when he got the stoppage. Um, I might have been a little bit clouded, but I was kind of happy to see him get the the upset win because I, I've always felt he's a guy in terms of his talent. He's been a little bit slept on, a little bit underrated. But, yeah, of course, we've we've seen fights go on a lot longer than that. 
and it, it was a pretty quick stoppage. And when you mentioned Matisse being on Showbox, Chris, you reminded me too, when I was going all that out last weekend, I forgot I did start it on Friday. I caught the whole Showbox card as well. Forgot to open up with that briefly, and I'll just throw it in now that uh, Showbox has been on, to me, getting back to what it was and should be the last few outings. Um, that, yeah, that was a, that was a good. good card. That, that was a, right. It's been real good. But what kind of what you want out of boxing that it was supposed to be, where just fights where we don't know who's going to win. You know that that simple. And and they've been produce. I'd say the last few they've been producing those matchups. And Friday was uh, Friday was re- last Friday a week ago was really good with the show box. So want at least just mention that 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 card. Um, you know, that card was that good. But Raymond Ford, he was one of the highlights to me over the weekend. I, I thought that was a, a huge performance because it was the best he's ever looked. He, you know, I talked about Madrimov correcting some flaws. I got to give that to Ford, too. I mean, you know, Magdaleno, he's only been stopped once. It's not like he was some guy who's been getting knocked all over the place in his fights and he only had one loss. Um you know, Ford was, was hurting him, punch, nailing him with authority. And, and Magdaleno's a tough guy. He had to go on his bicycle to survive at the end. I mean, it was just straight-out, unabashed survival that you can't even sugarcoat. And he in his corner, you know, you had Manny Robles, too, an excellent trainer, uh, you know, ready to go. And, and Ford just dominated, and he dominated with the boxing we've seen from him, but also showing power. And I felt like that was really a fight where, you know, Ford was not in that range, and, and he just announced himself as a legit featherweight contender, a legit top 10 guy, you know, forget all the alphabet belt stuff and everything. Yeah, he, he's definitely a legit top 10 guy now. And, you know, that division's kind of kind of open, really, because, you know, Mauricio Lara, if you want to say he's the number one guy now, I mean, you know, he's young and he's shown some power, but he's not a guy certainly that doesn't have any vulnerabilities. And, you know, Ramirez has been looking good. He's obviously on a winning streak, but he did lose his first pro fight. So, uh, you know, Raymond Ford is talking like he's in that mix. And I think he is in that mix. And I don't think, you know, when he signed with Hearn, he probably wasn't looking at it that way. But now that he's arrived, I mean, Hearn does have those fight, featherweight fights available for him if he wants to make them. And, uh, you know, sometimes Hearn might do that, just bring the guy over to the UK, you know, and, uh, you know, they'll throw this, this part, I don't care about it, but we know they always do it. You know, some, some sort of alphabet belt will get thrown on it. And, uh, you know, he can make a, he can make it an event. So Ford might be really in an underrated way. You know, when you think he's with Hearn and, you know, Hearn's got Lara has been fighting for him. You know, Warrington, he's had back. Uh, he's got Wood. Um, you know, there's 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 availability. You know, there's availability there um, oh, for, yeah. for for some fights. So Raymond Ford really jumping up. You know, from a lower level to contender position and well positioned to you know make make some money and and get some other. Uh, known contenders in the featherweight division possibly in the near future. Uh, I think, you know, out of that whole weekend of a ton of boxing, he was one of the standout guys of, of this weekend, which had so much action. So to me, you know, huge, huge performance for Raymond Ford there. 
And then we had the Bam Rodriguez. Yeah, he really did. He, he really yeah, stood I, out to me, too. He was really clean, and like you said, it was one of those performances that it may not be the best, but given the competition, given where he is, um, he's shown some really good stuff. He's shown some okay stuff, but, you know, prior. And you're right. He kind of said this was his best performance against a guy that we know as well. And uh, I, I agree. I, I, I definitely will put him in that contender range. Um, let's move on to the um, the co-feature. We had MJ Akhmadaliev going against uh, Tapales. And, you know, early in the fight for – Several, not several, but multiple rounds, uh, let's say out of the first seven rounds or whatever, you know, I would give probably a good four of them at least uh, to to Tapales. And then MJ kind of woke up. I don't know if it was rust or uh, it was just honestly sometimes when a boxer faces a boxer and the guy's pretty good, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I got to adjust my stuff here. It just seemed like MJ was just, you know, one at a time punching. It started out as a pretty slow fight, too, but it was just like one at a time, one at a time. Um, the first round, not a whole lot happened, but the jab, uppercut, straight left uh, by Tapales. Um, even in the fourth round, I, I marked it out um, that, you know, he, he had a better round, but he still wasn't doing enough. The fifth round was close. He actually started to, you know, become more active because that's the thing. He's an active fighter. He doesn't just throw one punch at a time. And um, I don't know. It, it was, it was a weird performance. Maybe that's because he has, you know, been stagnant ever since he, he beat uh, Roman and whatnot. That probably plays into it. Some injuries as well. Now in the back half of the fight, I really thought he, he caught fire. I mean, I gave him, you know, like for sure nine and on. And then, you know, he had some in between. This is where the scorecards, I mean, it's weird because the winner had it 115-113, both of them, right? But then MJ, there was a 118-110. It's like, what the What is this? Where'd that thing come from? I had it like 7-5, 6-6, I did think DePaulis did enough, but... um I don't know, man. It was a weird start by MJ. He did get it together, like I said, down the stretch. But um, this one kind of surprised me. I thought it would be a good fight. And to be fair, like I said, MJ really hasn't looked all that great since that Roman fight, a fight that you could make an argument. Could have needed a rematch. I thought it was that close. Um, what would you think of the performance? You know, I don't know if you were actually scoring or whatever, but what did you think of the scorecards, or, or at least, you know, who won? Because some people were kind of in between on that one. It definitely got a lot tighter, like I said, down the stretch. I think Tapales won it. After a few rounds of that fight, when I knew something might happen, now I didn't know going in, but, but after a few rounds, um, one thing that sometimes is a good test that, that jumped into my mind. I didn't know how the judges were going to take it, but then I felt like they got it right. You know, as, as I got a few rounds into the fight and I was watching, watching them, you know, go back and forth. I said, you know, if you didn't know who the A side was supposed to be in this fight and the B side, right. you'd say the B side guy is winning this fight. Um, and it's tight, but he's winning. And then, and then, you know, 
when the scorecards were read, I said, well, dang, the, the, the judges got to me. I thought, you know, judges got it right. They, they did look at it that way and they made the correct analysis, but as it was getting late in the fight, that was just so competitive. And, you know, again, I, if you didn't know who, who was supposed to be the A side, I thought the was always, you know, you know, mostly getting a little bit the better of it that, and it was so, you know, so competitive throughout that, yeah, a fair fair decision fair decision to me. I, I'm I'm glad that the the judges got it right. You know, you make a good point about Akhmadov, Chris. I mean, really, you know, outside of that Roman fight, which could have gone either way, and a lot of people, Akhmadov didn't have that many fights and everything. They got real hyped up about him. Um, he stopped Rios late. Um, you know, Rios is okay. I mean, um, no pop. You know, right with who he's fighting and 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 you know. He wasn't really looking that great. I, you know, did we think Tapales was going to come in in this fight that was just supposed to, let's face it, be a showcase for Akbadaliev and, and win it? No, we, we didn't think that going in. Nobody was calling for that. But, as, as we, again, as a, as a few rounds were going by, you watched what was taking place in the ring. You were saying take away the A-side, B-side thing, and Akbadaliev's not doing all that great there. And, and that's the way the judges saw it. So, I was uh, I was good with the result there, and that was another standout performance of the weekend because that was a shocking upset by Tapalis. I felt it was a legitimate upset. So uh, Akhmadaliev's balloon has been deflated because he's losing to a guy who was pretty much off the radar screen for, for most people. Um, nobody was calling for the upset in this one. Um, so, you know, ma- major, major setback. Uh, you don't know if yeah. it would happen. He almost then. scored a knockdown in that last round, too, with that nasty uppercut. But, um, you know, I actually think they both exchanged an uppercut in that, and, and MJ got the best of it. Paulus is definitely uh, on my radar now. I'll tell you that. I had seen one of his fights, watched some highlights, but uh, he looked good. And the way you described yeah. it, it's true. It was like, this is a, this is an even fight, and, and kind of like, Sometimes, like I said, when a skilled guy runs into another guy that, you know, has something for him, it just seemed like MJ, although I gave him, like, the last four rounds and and something in between there, it just didn't seem like he had much going on uh, in the way of adjustment. Um, So, yeah, I I always kind of thought he was a tad overrated. A lot of people just kind of bunched him into, you know, that Eastern European pack, it doesn't really matter where they're from. It's right. like Eastern European, you know, that, that type of feel. And I kind of right. felt like, and some of it is he was on the zone or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it, it, it's like, let's, let's keep, let's have him a rematch of that fight. Cause I don't know if he won that fight for sure. Um, but then also uh, Bam. Now a fair amount of people were a little down on Bam. Um, I thought early on he was bringing, you know, some pretty smart pressure. Um, Gonzalez, you know, was landing some really nice left hooks, um, nice right hands. Uh, He was moving a fair amount, that's for sure. Um, I think it was a big uh, left hand to the body in the third round, late in that round for Bam. Um, Competitive round in the fourth. The fight was – it got a little more competitive at the back end or in the the second half. Um, 
There were some close rounds in there, like um, looking at my scorecard right now, like the sixth and seventh were, were fairly close. Um, that Gonzalez, his left hook, especially, like he can really counter well with his left hook. Um, he did that check hooks a lot of the fight. Um, and I thought Bam wasn't able to land a whole lot in combination as much as he normally was. Sometimes he was cutting off the ring pretty well, landing solid punches. Other times he was following a little bit more. Now, you know, ninth and tenth round, he was moving a lot more and, and, and landing well at times, Gonzalez, but moving a lot more, no doubt. But I saw Bam kind of missing punches. Uh, more than we've seen lately in, in not attacking the body probably enough. Um, but he won the fight cleanly. Um, I guess I'm bringing this up because I did see some people thinking, well, maybe he, I saw this a lot. Maybe he, he fought those back-to-back fights against guys that were over the hill. And now that he's fighting a little bit fresher of a fighter, he's coming back down to earth. Um, he did, you know, they say he injured his jaw. Sounds like it's it's fairly serious. What do you think of Bam Rodriguez? Because I didn't think there was a problem with the, like, I thought it was a, a win for him cleanly, you know. But I got to admit, he didn't necessarily look uh, as good as we've seen. And it looked kind of closer to his last performances than those other two. But once again, it comes down to style, too. And this guy was moving a lot. Yeah, I, I I had a little bit different take than some people on this one, Chris. I know there's people that disagree, but it's still my take on it. I agree with you. A little bit similar to his last performance, but frankly, the guy he fought before the Gonzalez, I thought, came to try to win more. Uh, and, and, you know, we had talked about that, just fighting some younger guys when you're in the, you know, flyweight, you know, super flyweight division where quickness is at a premium. You know that that might have you look a little different, but I, my take was again different. I, I I thought Gonzalez. You've heard me say this before. Gonzalez fell into that grouping for me. He's got no power. You know, uh, low knockout percentage. Even though we're at flyweight, what what was this guy's plan to win the fight? My point is there wasn't one there. Um, it was to me a, a kind of a glorified survival mode. I did think Mora said it on the zone, so he had that take. I, I believe it was Mora, again, lost fight two days last weekend uh, on three different uh, platforms, but I believe Mora said that during that fight, which, you know, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm yep. agreeing with him all the time or a lot or anything, but, you know, sometimes somebody will say something you agree with, and, you know, if, it, if it's an ex-fighter and it's that type of a thing, you know, I, I take note of it. So I, that's the way I was seeing it. I thought that's the way I see this. I mean, what – what are we talking about here? You know, we got one guy's in to survive, the other, another guy's in to try to win. I just thought Bam was pressing him the whole fight. Like, in other words, kept coming forward. That's his job to make a fight, try to look good. This guy wasn't in there to win. What was his plan to win? You know, you got to win seven rounds of the fight. He, he's got no power. You know, Gonzalez has got none. So, you know, I, I do think a lot of fans and people that watch boxing don't get that enough, you know. And, and even announcers, will, will, you now Mora didn't there. But there are a lot of fights where then even the announcers will play into it. Like, this would be an example. Like, they'll start saying, like, Gonzalez is down. He's got to land something big. Gonzalez doesn't land something big. He knows that. His trainers right. know that. 
the other corner knows it. Yeah. He doesn't land something big. You know what I mean? Like lightning right. would have to come to the sky. It's just a and stereotypical, the... well, everyone's got a puncher's chance. Like, eh, right. kind of. <laughs> exactly. Like, really, those guys don't have a puncher's chance. It's got to be like a miracle. You know? It's not, in other words, it's not like Mike Weaver, who was a puncher, nailing Big John Tate in the 15th right, right. round when it went 15. This is not that. You know what I mean? This is not, you know, this is not Ernie Shavers tiring in the eighth, but he's still in there. You know, this is Gonzalez that flyweight with all these alphabet belts and stuff. You know, I, I mean, this guy doesn't. This guy doesn't have any puncher's chance. I, he was moving all over, as you you were saying. I didn't. Think the guy was in to win. Um, he was in to survive. So those happen once in a while. I did like his check left hook, though. I thought he did that really well throughout the fight. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, look, Rodriguez did come out with a broken jaw. You know, he said it was what around the middle of the fight. Um, uh, yeah, yep. of course, no reason for him to, no reason on this one for him to say that if he didn't have it. So, uh, prize me, but still, um, I didn't think Gonzalez was really in there to win. So, when I have that, when it, when it's like that, and I just feel like the guy was just a little too hard to track down for the A side puncher. Sometimes I'll give a pass. For me, this was one of those. Like, I'm not giving Bam Rodriguez like props for this win, but this isn't a this isn't a detractor for me either. Like, I don't. It's just like a nothing, you know. Um, I, I I remember I, I felt like that with Ryan Garcia with Tago. You know, the guy. I mean, this Tago was much worse than Gonzalez, but I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. But you know, like it was just a nothing. Like the, the guy was so so committed to just survive. I couldn't really. I'm not going to give Garcia credit for that performance, but I wasn't really going to detract from him either. I felt like that was this way for Bam Rodriguez in my eyes. Too bad he got a broken jaw, then out of it where he's going to be out. Just kind of a nothing fight. All I would maybe tie it into then since it turned into what I consider a nothing fight and he got a broken jaw. You know, I'm all in favor of the original eight weight classes, maybe at a cruiserweight and Bam was down at flyweight here. That part I kind of like, but with that understood, you know, no real fights for him there. I mean, you know, Sonny Edwards doesn't punch either. I mean, you know, maybe he's on social media and things, and I'm not saying the guy's not a not a good fighter, um, but I don't know. That doesn't really excite me all that much. Um, I, I just, you know, like you had Estrada there. He could have taken the next logical progression. I mean, Hearn's got that available on his own. You know, it just seems like what – and I said it before the fight, I'm not – saying it after the fact i mean you know i said it before the fight like you know it's like they're him and robert what are they doing they're just like getting too tricky and now right he has like a nothing fight and he's got a broken jaw and he's out i mean i don't i don't like to you know that can hurt fighters when we look throughout boxing history as you know you and i have followed it for a long time i mean you know you can come up with these examples when a fighter the promoters the management they just kind of make a maybe a bad career move even if they're not necessarily losing or Maybe they look bad and, and miss out on some big fights. Uh, you know, Bam's young, but I, it, to me, it's like kind of like get get on back on track. You know, get 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 to the point. You know, dispose of Estrada where he's still out there while he's still out there, which I think he will. Um, I still think he will. And no change there. And then go from you know go from there. I mean, uh, you know, I, again, this is me. I, I don't need the Sonny Edwards thing. Um, you know, if he does it, fine. But you know. Keep keep the thing moving, you know. Keep the thing moving forward. Don't 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 out don't outthink yourself here. So I hope during this time off, maybe they 
I think they might too. I, I think they might um, reevaluate this thing and then maybe just go straight for Estrada and uh, move forward from there. Because look, you, you, if if you want the flyweight thing that bad, you know, you could beat Estrada and still go back down there. You know, it doesn't have to be now. So um, don't 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 overthink it. That's 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 what I would say there. In my my final. Uh, thoughts on the Bam Rodriguez, which I've said pre-fight and nothing really changed there, but I just think that he was in with somebody that really wasn't all that willing and just, just fight ends up just being kind of a nothing to me. Yeah, I agree. I did think people were a little over the top um, just in general, but yeah, it's, um, it's still, you know, it had it on paper, you know, just those four fights. I was very interested in the card and I thought it worked out you know, fairly well. Um, they did have Kinshira, uh fight as well. Uh, like that was, what was that, Friday morning or Saturday morning? I don't know. I can't remember, but it was a long time. It was a while ago now, but um, he... Uh, That's right. It's Japanese ESPN Plus card. I, I, I do have to be fair. I did miss that. I, was, I put that on. I was going to go all out and catch that too, starting at 3 a.m., and then I, I had Showbox the night before, had these the three right. cards on Saturday. I, I got a bit. Then I had second thoughts and said, I, I think I got to sit. I think I got to sit that one out. Yeah, that was like a ninth round knockout. He scored two knockdowns in it. Uh, you know, he's working the body early, landed his jab, followed by the right hand. I thought that Olasuka or Olasuka or Anthony, he, uh, he he landed really good hooks and right hands throughout the fight. Um, it just as the fight wore on, you really started seeing the counter left. I think it was late third, a counter left. Um, the glove touched, uh, more right hands, good body work, um, more left, you know, left hooks to the head and body from his opponent. It was it was pretty game actually. Um, in the seventh round, right hands, kind of uh, Anthony responded with a nice uppercut to the body, but then he was on the ropes. Um, and it was like a flurry. Um, it was a TKO, but he literally like, you know, almost went through the ropes. So it was a good, it was a good stoppage. But yeah, we I didn't want to just kind of breeze by that. Um, and Abe, and Abe did Tico Martinez, non televised in the U.S. Oh yeah, Abe, yeah. Abe did beat Kiko Martinez, who, you know, was still hanging around there at featherweight. So uh, you know, worth worth noting. You know, he's on the scene. I, I wouldn't myself, even though that was Kiko Martinez. Uh, you know, to me, Magdalena was a, was a more dangerous opponent. I, I wouldn't put that up there with the Ford win myself. Other people disagree, but that's the way I viewed those since they were both at featherweight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then let's talk Showtime. We'll start with the main event and we'll go back. We'll kind of dig back into that. Um, I mean, Fundora, the first couple rounds, jabbing a whole lot, um, like a lot, lot. <laughs> uh, Mendoza, it seemed like he was kind of, he, he wasn't able to get close enough. He was kind of searching for something to, to, to be able to do right, per se, as far as win rounds and whatnot. Uh, I did think the action definitely dumped more. As the fight wore on, you did start to see, like, the fourth round was pretty slow. Looking at my scorecard right now, pretty clean lands by Mendoza in that one, but I, I gave it to Fundora. But 
Uh, in spots, the fifth kind of started going back and forth. You started to see Mendoza, although bloodied up in the nose, started to have success at times. Um, and at that time, it felt like fourth, fifth, sixth, you started to see the fight going, you know, more inside the, the action, you know, of Fundora was definitely pressing and not just throwing that jab, but really starting to press, turning up, you know, with heavy shots. Um, and, you know, to Mendoza's credit, even in that sixth round before the stoppage, you know, he put him up against the rope a few times. It was kind of like, okay, Mendoza's starting to do something. You could see Fedora was kind of turning up the heat. Um, but then that left hook that just froze him in his tracks, it was almost like the leaning tower. Like, if he wouldn't have done anything, he probably would have fallen over. Um, almost fell over type thing. Followed up with a right hand, left hook. And then it got, you know, some people thought Fundora quit. I got to admit, first of all, the old out on your feet thing could pertain to this. But also, Johnny hit his head coming down on the canvas, bounced his head off the canvas. And he was just kind of sitting there cloudy. And he's kind of like, it's done. It's a wrap. You know, for me, having gotten similar concussions, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call that quitting. Uh, in my mind, I thought he was just out of it. But I agree. Uh, I think he. I think he was out. I think he was just out. He was out. I mean, he he could have been, like I said, out after that left hook that froze him. But when you when you get the double, when you get hit like that, and your your clock is clean, and then he gets hit again, and then you hit the canvas. I I was hoping he wasn't gonna get up, and he he made a smart move, but. First of all, the 154-pound division, we know the top 10, top 15, or, or even the top five or six, you can line up other divisions and say these top five, six uh, fighters, you know, are better fighters. That's fine. We get it. But this freaking 154-pound division, John, just keeps giving and giving and giving, and Fundora could have you know, taking a, even a, like a walkover fight just to stay busy because he knew that he was in position. He fought a solid fighter. Not too many people thought Mendoza was going to pull the upset. Um, but wow, what a shocker and what a knockout. Total, total shocker. I, I mean, I didn't see anybody picking Mendoza, you know, to your and my credit out of all the fights this weekend. They weren't close on odds. We said Mendoza had the best chance of doing a decent showing. And what I was basing that on was just what I saw the first six rounds, even though I thought Mendoza was just losing all those six rounds. I thought Fondora was dominating the fight, right. but I thought Mendoza was, a, as I said last week, you know, just a durable guy with competent skills. And he's the type of guy that could hang in there. I mean, that's, that's what he did end up doing. Um, but the power against Rosario yeah, everybody's saying, oh, well, he knocked out Rosario to fight before. Rosario hasn't shown any chin whatsoever. I mean, let's, let's be real here. You know, Mendoza had a, uh, had a razor-tight fight with Lamana. I mean, he pulled it out at the end, I mean, by decision. You know, I'm just saying, like, you know, KO percentage is not bad, but all against the real lesser guys. And when he, you know, stepped up at all, except for Rosario, you know, there hadn't been power there. So, now, of course, we know what we just saw Saturday night, and that that was explosive power. But 
I don't think you could call for that going into that fight, even after he knocked out Rosario. Um, so I thought you had a fight that Fundora was controlling, dominating on the rounds. I agree about Fundora picking it up, but I, I thought that was in the sixth. It seemed like then in the sixth, those ripping, devastating under uppercuts that have really become like his signature. In the sixth, he started going to them, and he was hurting Mendoza. You know, he he was busting him up and hurting him. And, and look, you you got to be real. I mean, at that point in the sixth, they look like, okay, Fundora's opening up on this guy now. He's going to take him out. And I thought that's what Fundora himself thought. And then, as you said, started with the left hook. But then, you know, the left hook was devastating. Of course, had him in all kinds of trouble. And then Mendoza's follow-up shots were perfectly accurate bombs. I mean, both bombs right on the button and i just i'm with you all the way chris i mean you know people were saying fundora quit i mean i was more looking at like you know how much boxing or sports have you watched i mean or do you know about you know concussions and head injuries i mean sure there's time you know when a guy doesn't take shots like he took but i mean he he didn't know what was going on there i mean he he did he didn't know what was going on i mean uh you know he 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 was you know think of Think of Mike Tyson putting his mouthpiece in backwards when he got dropped. Right. Know, Even looking for the thing, you know? It's like, dude, <laughs> right. don't worry about the thing. Get up. And that kind of, right. you know, I, mean, I remember screaming. I'm like, what are you? Stop, dude. <laughs> right. I mean, and look, that wasn't Tyson quitting or trying to get out or anything. He didn't know where he was. I mean, you know, that's a head injury like that. I mean, you know, so I, I and, and, and I'm with you as I was watching. I thought the same with Fondora. Just I thought the same thing. Like, oh, it, you know, it's over. He's out. He doesn't even know where he is. I mean, there's there's just no sense here. This is this is done. He got he got KO'd. Um, so, you know, of course, another one of the performances of the weekend, the biggest upset of the weekend. Um, you know, I, I like I thought Fondora, I don't like put weight on this like a lot of people like oh I have to hear this or I don't like a fighter or something but like you know you just do have to give Fondora credit the way he handled afterward and after being knocked out like that and of course getting concussed like that he, but, but you know then when he came back around he just said hey you know I, I don't have any regrets here you know I took the fight I mean I'm you know made, made the decision to take the fight that's it no regrets and, and I just got to be back now one thing I do want to get in here here, Chris, and get your thoughts on it because to me, I'm, I'm seeing some, I'm seeing some takes where it's overhyped, but the, in the other way, you got to pump the brakes. Like I immediately, and, and these are people I do respect who are knowledgeable too. That's why I'm making note of it because it, these aren't clowns either. So I, you know, this is just where you have difference of opinion. Um, I, I, I'm not taking a position either way, but I saw knowledgeable people that night and the next day saying. Fondora's done. He's taken quite a few shots already, and, and, and he's absolutely done. This was inevitable. And like I said, not clowns, knowledgeable fight observers, writers, and things. And I'm like, oh, wait a second here. Did you see the left hook the guy took? I mean, now look, you right. know, when you get like that, you're more vulnerable. I mean, that's just you know neuroscience. So he's going to be more vulnerable. Yeah, he's had, he had a tough fight with Lubin. Now, you know, I have said when we look back, to me, on Williams and Hurd, they destroyed each other. I'll, I'll stick with that one. I believe that, and I think there's a lot of evidence to that. Now, sure. so I'm not saying it can't have happened. You know, he had a brutal fight with Lubin. To me, that was fight of the year, and he was down in that fight. But we, we don't know that yet. I mean, he just got, you know, 
he didn't get caught with soft punches by Mendoza. I mean, you know, I mean, even if Mendoza yeah. wasn't the biggest punches in the world, I mean, you know, those were big and none other than George Foreman. Because sometimes big George will come out when he gets, he doesn't say it that way, but when he gets a little annoyed. That's he, true, he, yeah. Yep. He, he came out and said, you know, George then goes over the top, but I know what George was trying to get across. George tweeted something out like a couple hours later, like, you know that that was as big of a left hook as I've ever seen, or or something like that. But I get I get the gist. You know, George is kind of saying like, look, you know, the dude dude got caught with a bomb here. You know, like let's not let's not say the guy's you know finished or you know uh, you know he's done or he can't take he's taking too many punches. I mean, that guy got caught by a bomb. So uh, and then two more right after that. Now that that sure that's going to take something out of him, but. But this is one I think we got to say we we don't you know Fondora is still real young I mean we we don't know that you know we we don't know that yet because I could also speculate and say you know maybe when you're his height even though they say he walks around only a few pounds over maybe squeezing down to 154 is not a good idea anymore I mean you know that could affect your punch resistance some so you know you could speculate on some things and and look I'm not saying some those people could end up being right but. To me, when when the guy right, gets caught bomb like that, yeah, that's you not fine. That's not fine. And, and I don't right. even mind the people making a pronouncement, but not on a bomb like that. It wasn't like he got caught with soft punches or he was getting beat. You know, you say that when the guy's getting beat up for eight rounds and he can't pull the trigger or something. Right. You know, not when the guy gets caught by a bomb when he's once you know six rounds out of six rounds. I mean, he was actually using his jab more than I've seen. You know, like yeah. he, he, he looked fine. You know. Right, and he could. Yeah, case in point, got, case in point, real quick, John. Not to cut you off, but there's no, a long-time no writer. It's funny that you say this because there's a long, long-time writer on Twitter right now responding to someone that has an article that says Fundora says he'll be back better than ever the knockout, and the person says, "What's he going to do? Get even taller?" It's like it's just weird. Right. It's just like, what do you, what do you mean, dude? Like. I, I get it. He's a freak show in the ring. It looks, but it, you know, he's been around for a while now, though. You know, he didn't. Yeah, they but, didn't move him around like some freak show, though. He go look at his resume. He got tested as a prospect. There's just no way that, around yeah. that. Even when he showed, yeah. when he had a draw, you know, they still kept moving him past that. So yeah. it, it's funny. It's just the same people will turn right around and be like, "We can't get good fights," you know. Right, I, I agree. I, I didn't get it. There, I, I didn't get the hate for Fundora like that. And, and another reason it wasn't rational is he's not as an exciting of a fighter when he does this. But like you pointed out, look, there has been fights like against Ocampo, against Garcia. He wasn't then at the same entertainment level, but he pulled back and jabbed with his height. He's not as exciting that way, but it's not like the guy hasn't shown. He's not like some fighters who, you know, like, they can't do that like he's shown some ability to do that if he wants to get really cautious i'm not saying you know he's going to have that you know that's just not the same entertainment value when he does that but if he chooses to do that i mean he can do it so it's not like he has nowhere else to go either i mean he has done that in a few fights he's much more exciting when he doesn't do it and he's got much more power when he doesn't do it, but he, he's shown some ability in fights to do that. So, you know, he could come back and, and choose to fight in that fashion too, to just say this guy's done because of this fight. 
premature. We we don't know that yet. I mean, you know, you can have some speculation, but just say, no, nah, he's done. He's taking too many shots. Wasn't that kind of a fight? I mean, he, he got caught. He was winning the fight uh, handily, and, and he got caught. So way premature to me to be, you know, counting Sebastian Sandora out at this point. Um, and here's one of those, yeah, a lot of people say you can't go triangle theories and stuff, but you have to do it. It's, it's part of what we all do in evaluation when we don't have better evidence. But it almost fits to me with something you just said a few weeks ago. Now, Jesus Ramos has already beaten Mendoza. So you say Joey Spencer right. is an inept, um, but Ramos just beat Mendoza. <laughs> so, you know, it, right. is, is Mendoza's, not a bu- Mendoza's not a bum, right? I mean, you know, obviously Mendoza's proven not to be a bum. So, uh, you know, Jesus, again, the theory, other theory being Jesus Ramos might turn out to be that good. He might, you know, just be the guy, you know, who's a threat to be at the top of that division. Even like you said, all these guys proving to beat each other, being able to beat each other makes it exciting. Um, but you know, there, there, here we are just a few weeks later, we have now some indirect evidence of that, you know, a recent win for Ramos over Mendoza. And now we've got Mendoza knocking out Fondora. So, you know, the, I did I, see I people talking guy, about the rankings. Why, you know, of uh, of uh, Ramos and Mendoza now too. The new rankings. Right. It's tricky. It's, it makes it tricky. It's exactly. tricky. You, it is. And that's the thing about these rankings. People don't really think through, but it is tricky. It is tricky because he's third right now, or I should say fourth, but he's ranked third with obviously Jermel Charlo uh, being the undisputed. Uh, Mendoza right. is, whereas Jesus right. uh, is eighth. Right. I mean, you could make a case for him. That's the thing. You can make a case for him being eighth. You could make a case, though, saying he should be much higher. You know, he's he's got he's got the win over Mendoza. Um, you know, and again, even though Spencer was like a prospect, still he was undefeated. He he got the stoppage over him. Um, you know, he's he's beaten other competent guys like Molina. Um, you know. It's tricky when when that's the thing with one fifty four. We've had that before at one fifty four when they beat each other. Yeah, it does it does get hard. It does get hard to place them. And that that Mendoza because that fight wasn't that long ago either. So the Mendoza. No, oh, yeah, Ramos, yeah, exactly. yeah. So yeah, one fifty four is in, 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 in outside of Charlo is in like a chaotic scramble. And again, look at what these other guys are doing to each other. I'm not like picking on them, but. You know, you do kind of people. I mean, Tim Zhu, yeah, he beat Gaucher, got dropped, and then he beat Harrison. You know, is, does that really make him automatically the number one guy with all the, you know, what the, some of these other guys have done? I mean, you know, maybe, you know, maybe yeah, you can, you know, you can make a case for it, sure, but it's it's something to keep in mind. You know, of course, he's going to get a chance to show that if he fights Charlo, but. But you know, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of other guys that that could that could make their case, uh, in, in, including you know, R- Ramos. Now you got to you got to pay more attention to that. Yeah, exactly. And in the end, you know, that's the good thing is you know we know that they keep matching them up, and it's just uh, like I said, it's just the division that has just been giving and giving and giving, and it's just like I said, 
I know a lot of people like to say, yeah, but the top-end talent, I, I, you know, I don't give a shit. It's still a good-ass division. You know, it's a really good-ass division to watch. It goes deep. And, we, I mean, we can name fight after fight after fight after fight. I mean, it's just like you just keep matching them up. If you lose, okay, you get back. You don't have to go all the way to the back of the line. You don't have to go back in line a little bit, but you're going to come right back up. And it, it's basically like whoever earns their keep gets the better fights. And that's how it's gone this pretty much the whole time. Um, I still hear people saying, oh, uh, Charlo heard. It's like, dude, first of all, there's specific reasons why that fight didn't happen, one. And two, look at what else we've gotten, though. Like, you got to be so... I don't know. Like, I understand. I, I think it would have been a great stylistic fight, you know, both of those guys in their prime, especially Hurt, right, in his prime. But, like, we get it, but damn, you know. <laughs> okay, we get it. But the division's just giving us so much. Let's talk about the undercard. Um, Pedro Campa and Brandon Lee turned out to be um, <clears throat> a really competitive fight uh, for a variety of reasons. Um I'll let you go first on this one. Um, what did you think of the fight? What did you think of, uh, you know, just everything about it? It turned out to be a really competitive fight. Yeah, really, really, really good fight. I'm with everybody else on that excellent action fight. There's no doubt uh, Campa caught Lee with some shots, especially as the fight went on. Um and, and I've liked Lee a lot. He was one of my favorite prospects. But now this is like, you know, maybe like the third fight in a row uh, that he's kind of stalled out. Um, but, you know, he, he showed so much power. Um, it, it just hasn't been there. And it uh, wasn't there again. Um, Saturday night, some people were already saying that before this fight. I was willing to keep an open mind because I really liked him as a prospect. I'm now willing to say, Something's kind of wrong here, but even I want to get that out of the way first, though, because even though I felt that, and he's been one of my favorite prospects, but you got to call it like you see it. But what I didn't see was, you know, to me, this was one of those, you know, people screaming and stuff. Again, this was my take on it. I felt like this was one of those fights, though, that even though, just like you said, and I totally agree, Chris, very competitive, you know, most rounds extremely competitive, tight. I didn't feel Campo was doing enough to win the rounds in the end. I mean, Lee was just a little bit more of a skilled guy. His bombs weren't having the effect he, that they'd been having earlier in his career, but he was landing them. I mean, he continually landed them. And, you know, he was getting hit. I mean, no doubt about it, by some good shots from Campa. But I just thought in the end, like, as those rounds were ending, I'm like, yeah, another competitive round. This was I, the way I was looking at it, even before the scorecards read. I was like, but I just didn't see Campa taking it. Um, so people got really mad. They got outraged. But I think, it, to me, my take was it's sure. one of those things where, you know, like, look, you know, you, you, you could have a lot of close competitive rounds, and the fight's competitive, just like you said. It totally was a very good fight, uh, one of the better fights of the year so far. But I just didn't think in the end of those rounds, I mean, Lee – was a little bit more skilled, and he was showing at least as much power, um, even though neither guy ended up getting in serious trouble or anything like that. Um, but they were both landing bombs. Um, I just, yeah. I just thought Lee was, I just thought what Lee was a little more skilled throughout, um, and you know was landing at least 
the you know he was landing more bombs, but like at least as powerful bombs as when Camper got a few in. So I was I, I was fine with Lee the winner, and, and I didn't feel the outrage that a lot of people felt. Not because I didn't think it was competitive or an excellent fight. I I just to me in the end in those rounds, Camper just wasn't taking rounds. So, but but yeah. I, I think what I'm what I'm taking away from the whole fight more than anything myself. And I wasn't before this, and some others were, but I just got to say it now, you know, kind of a what's wrong with Lee? You know, is he just, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, Chris, you know, is he just not as good as we thought? One final thing I'd throw out with him, he looks very big for that weight. He hasn't made 140. These have all been catch weights in these fights. He hasn't looked as good. That's a good point, you know, yeah. I, I think, may, you know, maybe, I don't, I don't think he, I know a lot of people say, oh, that, you know, they think that doesn't make sense. But to me, it may be counterintuitive, but, yeah, I'm looking at that. I'm thinking, like, he's got nothing to lose. There's more money there anyway at just going to welterweight and seeing if he's better. Um, I would say that. I don't see trying to make 140 helping him at this point, even though he's still very young. Um, And he's another guy, too, let's throw in there. He's got the dad training him. You know, it's hard to bring all the dads together. They're different. But you can't help it. Sometimes you got to look at these things. I mean – so I'm going to throw those two out there. I mean, maybe it's time to just be a 147-pound full-fledged welterweight. He's got good size. I think his size is fine even for that weight. And maybe it's time to bring another – you know, maybe dad stays there, but time to bring somebody else in. I, I would throw those two things out there because I am now going to reluctantly say things are stagnated. So um, that's what I took out of Saturday. I mean, I, I thought he won it clearly to me in an excellent fight, but he was getting hit a lot again, and it stagnated. Something's, something's got to give with him. Well, I also think the uh, 99-91 in 98-92, I mean, one round? Like, come on. That, that, that is just horrendous, man. I wanted to bring that up. So I think that plays into it, too, like the scorecards were already filled out type thing. Um one thing I'll say is Kampa, I mean, the body work, 64 to 3. Like, Lee definitely needed, I mean, without saying, to work the body a little bit. Like, three body punches, or body lands, I should say. Now, he did land, you know, with the jab. He 52 to 17, I'm looking at it right now. Um, Kampa did outland him. He was more, you know, he's busier. Uh, like you said, the more accurate fighter was Lee, and he was – either brawling or boxing. You know, he would go into the jab movement, right. left hooks, uh, right hand. You know, he would mix it up more. I mean, right off the bat, they were getting it in, though. I mean, those those right hands and hooks and body punches and counter. Well, I spoke of the counter left hook for that other fighter. I think Kampa had a really good counter left hook. I gave yeah, Kampa um, the first, the fifth, the sixth, and the eighth, and I thought he won those rounds. Could he have stolen the ninth round possibly uh, with a late rally? Maybe. Um, I don't know. I know. The seventh was – he had a really good start to the seventh round, um, but I thought the hard combinations the last little bit pretty much uh, did that for Lee. So I did have Lee winning, but I, I think the scorecards play a part because, I mean, Tiffany Clinton um, – 99-91? Like, that's just so bad. And I know that we say it almost every week. And that Villa, Villa Real, uh, Fernando, 
98-92. I didn't think he only won two rounds. You know, I think that was – that always adds more fuel to the – but that, like you said, that one, that was one of the best fights of the year, hands down. That was a great, great fight. And, um, you know, I don't know. The, the moving up is an interesting um, – you know, when you look at him, he, has, he doesn't necessarily look fresh. I mean, but the stagnant is what you said, and I think that is it. I just don't know how you're not – how you only land in three punches the body. That that just blows me away. We, You know, we see people with the jab say, ah, screw the jab. I'm just throwing power punches. You know, that's that, that just happens a fair amount. Um, but it just – because you'll go a fight where you land 12 jabs, and that doesn't really – we don't really blink an eye on that because that's not their style. But I think everybody should, you know, land more than three punches in a 10-round fight to the body. So I thought that stood out, although he was mixing up the variety. So he, he does show that he's got some good skill in on there. And then power-wise, you know, um, maybe that is the, the weight plays into that. Maybe it's just not as, you know, big as we thought. It. I don't know, but... That was a hell of a fight. I did think he won, but I think the scorecards definitely added to that that uh, that stuff on you know uh, as far as people freaking out and whatnot. Um, and then the opener, uh, Olivo or yeah, Olivo against uh, Nunez. Once again, there was a scorecard one hundred to ninety, John. Now that one, I, I mean made, that one, one hundred. Okay. It was a good fight. It was competitive. I had it a really close fight, but I just couldn't believe 100 to 90. Like I said, I thought the showtime, as far as competitive fights, it helped with the knockout, you know, because that wasn't a competitive mm-hmm. fight, like you said, in the main event. But I thought uh, fight for fight, as far as the top of the card, um, I thought this was the best card because all three really gave us something, and, and on paper, it did seem like the zone was going to be that. I would put them in second behind, uh, you know, the pretty much one-sided uh, affair uh, on the top of the card, anyway, when it comes to um, when it comes to the ESPN card. But yeah, uh, I thought uh, Oliva really started out well. I gave him uh, at least two out of the first three, I would say. Um, he was landing these jabs and like quick combinations, just, he was just busier overall. Nunez was kind of on his jab and pot shot mode. He did have some nice left hooks. Then I thought Nunez started, the fourth round was close, but the Nunez to me, this is where he probably won the fight. Um, He was just more throwing more punches. Finally in combination in the fifth, sixth and eighth, I gave them, you know, clear he was landing the butter shots the counter right hands although oliva was busier pretty much the whole fight he actually landed 155 to 118 he threw 661 to 413 only landed 23 percent um of that but the power shots was a pretty big difference too 113 to 76 he definitely outworked the body over nunez but um Nunez down the stretch of that fight, um, at times started holding a little too much. I did give him the last round because uh, he, he rallied, he stole the round, but he, he did kind of move and hold a little bit uh, in the ninth or at the beginning of the tenth, I should say. I thought he lost the ninth round, um, 
competitive fight once again. I mean, the, the first, the third, the seventh, and the ninth, I definitely gave to Olivia. So, you, I mean, Oliva. And so, you could, I mean, the fourth was really close. It was a competitive fight. I mean, I literally got, I went real old school with this one, uh, John. What about a 4-4-2? I mean, that is an old school scoring system right there. I would have been fine with a 5-5 or 6-4 Nunez. Uh, 5-4-1 is usually where I go. But I I even went to – it was close enough 4-4-2, but I gave Nunez uh, the nod. But, yeah, 98-92 in 190 was just – you just can't make this shit up. It's like hard to come up with that scorecard. I heard people complain about the cards. Like I said, out of the couple, that was one of the only couple I ended up missing. I just didn't really catch enough of that fight uh, live to have any any take on it. But I, I did read people complaining about the scorecards. Yeah, it was it was a good fight. You know, like I said, I thought Showtime had the best card. Those three fights were all had something to give us, no doubt. But uh, yeah, the scorecards were horrible. Um. On to the ESPN fight card. Um, you know, you could make an argument. Maybe a co-feature could have gave us a, a mid-level fight where it's a two-way fight. But for what the card was, and also the fighters that you know were in the the co-feature, you know, in the in the in the run-up, the opening bout. The thing is. They were one-sided fights, pretty much all of them. But at the levels of each fighter, especially, you know, uh, Keyshawn and, and, and the real big baby, Jared Anderson, I didn't mind those fights. I liked the fights, you know. I, I say, you know, maybe the complaint would be, you know, like I said, maybe a better co-feature that's actually two-way. Because literally, if you just tuned into the broadcast, you didn't see a two-way fight at all. So I can understand some of the uh, – you know, some of the, the criticism there, I get that. But those two fights before the main event were lined up pretty well where the prospects are, uh, you know, in their career. And then also, I reiterated this earlier, and I'm going to do it again. Shakur fought a solid fighter. He one-sided him. He beat him up. He's showing more aggressive now. He even says, you know, I can box. You do know that, but I'm just fighting in a different style of late, and we have seen a more aggressive, more um, willing to stand in the pocket. Not necessarily I'm going to walk you down all the time, but counter in the pocket and stay right there. And So I like what I see out of Shakur. And, you know, the guy's not a well-known fighter, but he wasn't just a throwaway opponent either. And also, they did offer a, more than one guy the fight before they landed on him. Overall, though, they, they did a little bit more numbers as far as the attendance. We'll see what the gate is. Oh, no, I think we do have the gate number. But overall, I thought it was a really good night, um, you know, for that, to have it right in front of that crowd and whatnot. What did you think overall? Uh, I just thought it was a, a good showing for the home crowd. Yeah, it's, it's hard to make it come out right when you do this. As these weren't competitive, like you said correctly, Chris. But yet, as, in terms of a showcase card, this worked because the knockouts were real. Like when I say that, you know, showcases don't work out. This is where you know the public. Hey, this is combat sports, boxing, you know, MMA. 
you know, of course, NFL started taking a lot out of it. But what I'm getting to is, you know, people people are tuning in for some violence. I mean, that, there's just a reality to that. And when the knockouts are real, so to speak, in other words, you know, not not the overmatched guy just taking a dive or a, yeah, a, like nine close to a dive. Right, right, where they don't really get hit a grazing blow. I mean, the violence I'm referring to is, you know, in all these bouts, um, the the opponents were getting caught with shots. I mean, they were getting caught with thunder before it ended. And, you know, again, it's boxing. Uh, it's a violent sport. People people want to see that. I mean, there's, there's people that want to see crashes at NASCAR races. And I'm just saying that's a topic for a different time, but I'm saying on the TV part, they want to see it. And, I felt there, I always feel there is a difference there. Like, you know, Keyshawn Davis was hitting Yidget with all kinds of shots before that was stopped. I mean, really picking it up. You know, Jared Anderson was, was you know, hitting Arias with some bombs. You, you can see there's real thunder there. And Stevenson, as you mentioned, style where he was going to look to get the guy out of there. And I like that when you're getting the showcase. And he did that. I thought he did a really good job of that with um, Yoshino in that fight and, you know, all traditional divisions, you know, that go throughout boxing history, you know, Keyshawn Davis, that lightweight, Jared Anderson at heavyweight, of course, and of course, Stevenson at lightweight. I think that just always helps too with boxing being such a historical sport. So couldn't have been any better for showcasing. Uh, Yeah. It was a big boxing weekend for Jersey. You know, you had uh, Terry and Bunch fighting in the show, box car, not each other, but we're both on there. Terry got a draw out of a bunch lost. Raymond Ford on the zone and Co also on the zone. Then you had uh, you know, Shakur Stevenson, you know, fighting in where he grew up in Newark. And uh yeah, I think the gate was one of the high from Prudential and a little over ten thousand. Um, you know, considering the opponent um and where boxing's at, um, that was solid. And I I did check before we went on today, I wanna to see some TV numbers and I'm getting to where I can compute, you know, you can kind of compute the ESPN plus add in now too. I mean, Shakur, I mean, Shakur is getting seen by, you know, when he's fighting now, I mean, again, with where boxing's at now, even though it's ESPN and then ESPN plus a lot of homes, it's not premium cable, but still with the numbers being down and, and, you know, in a lot of sports, you see him down, you know, he's getting seen by over a million in the U S you know, every time he's going out there now. And, and you know, that 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 builds up. So you, you can see he did that again. Um, you know, Haney had a couple of good ratings. Um, that's what's almost to me a shame that that Haney Lomachenko is going to be on pay-per-view because I thought Top Rank was showing some good patience over the last, you know, maybe when we came out of the pandemic, getting these guys on free, their guys on free TV, uh, you know, basic cable. Um, and then ESPN Plus, which I think I, the subscriptions are up to 25 million now for ESPN Plus. Um, so that's becoming widespread. I mean, that's you know you're getting into old Showtime subscription numbers there. So uh, got to take note of that. You know, HBO yep. in the heyday about about 40 million. So that's that's where you got to start taking note of the ESPN Plus add-on there, or when it is on ESPN Plus, which before that it wasn't really a factor. Now that's 25 million that's becoming more of a factor. So um, good numbers for Stevenson. And, and these guys all showcased themselves. Well, Keyshawn Davis waited a little long, you know, I, I hope Keyshawn Davis kind of learns from that fight. It seems like he might've, and I, I, the way he performed, it was legit. Like he was saying, like, you got him annoyed. 
and he picked it up, which was kind of obvious watching it. But like, let's not wait for you. You know, let's not wait next time to have to get annoyed by the equivalent of Yidget before you do that. And, you know, Davis, a few fights before that, he was doing that without that. He kind of seemed like he was getting a little away from it. I liked what I saw there. You know, you know, he was dominating already, but, I mean, I liked that when he picked it up. That, to me, was getting back to what he was doing a couple of fights ago against, you know, a, a higher-level opponent. So let's keep that going. I mean, I think he's got the talent to keep that. I'd like to see Top Rank keep getting these guys on the regular ESPN with the ESPN Plus combined. Like I said, I think myself, especially where we're getting bombarded from all the other platforms that I'm not crazy about Haney Lomachenko being pay-per-view. Um, because it's an interesting fight, but it, I mean, I don't know. Lomachenko might have to fight more aggressively to win that fight at this stage of his career in his mid-30s. So I can't necessarily say it, it won't be a good fight. It could, you know, there's a chance with those styles that it wouldn't be, but there's a chance also that Lomachenko is just going to have to fight more aggressively because there's no other way for him at this stage. So uh, I don't know, but pay-per-view and, you know, with all the other pay-per-views we're getting, it's just, it's just, it's going to be too much. I mean, like you said, Chris, a couple weeks ago, they're not, the powers that be, they want that Mayweather Pacquiao or Mayweather McGregor lottery ticket. And it's just not there, you know, like you said. That, those were the aberrations, you know. Um, so they're they're just kind of throwing darts, and it's not really there. And it, it, you know, I mean, look, that's where PBC did the time buys and had to be done. I mean, and that was right after, you know, Mayweather, Pacquiao, Mayweather, McGregor. I think we're gonna hit. We're we're not gonna hit that this year, but we might be hitting that, say, two years from now, because all these pay-per-views aren't going to sell. I'm, I'm saying that because it's good that these guys were on free. Let's keep that going. I mean, if, you know, you're going to start making guys like Davis, Anderson, and Stevenson pay-per-view right after this, which the way things are going is not impossible, let's face it. Um, you know, it'd be, be kind of a shame that nobody's getting built up. But but this this was a good showcase card. Yeah, exactly. And I thought uh, Troy Isley, too, uh, on the undercard. Uh, I thought he looked pretty good. He's now going, I think, the – I think he's gone – I think he's up to the eight-round distance twice now. I think this is the yeah. second eighth-rounder. Yeah. And he's, I know he's I, gone – good. And I just think Isley, he's winning easily, but I think for a middleweight who's got good size, he, he's got to show more power against this low-level opposition. That, that's a concern for me and even performance-wise because uh, he can box for sure, but he's not so slick. I mean, he's not like a Stevenson, you know, where he's not getting hit at all. Um, and he, he for, for who he's fighting, he's not showing the pop. Um, you know, what's he got? Four KOs and nine wins at this level. Uh, that's, that's a concern for me. It's, it's actually even a red flag. So I, I do think I, I need to see more power from Isley. Uh, that that I did I did watch that fight I, I got to say I, I got to see more power from him. I like Carrington though Carrington he's the lower weight guy at featherweight yeah. but now he's he's he looks tremendous I mean he's getting guys out of there he's skilled I mean this dude you know featherweight that's in the U.S. kind of where you're getting on the edge of where you can sell it you know traditionally so at least he's a featherweight. Um, 
Because this guy, I mean, this guy looks real good. I mean, I, I think you can move this guy fast. I mean, he's knocking people out. He looks good doing it. He's got skill. See, to me, I like I like what I see at Carrington. I'm not liking what I see that much of Isley myself. And uh, I, I really like what Carrington's been doing. This guy, you know, he looks like a guy that can go on a card with Keyshawn Davis, Jared Anderson, Stevenson. Of course, he was on the card, but you know what I mean, the, the same televised right, portion. Yeah. Uh, he, he looks like he, he's ready for that step up. And they did also, which was a good idea, especially in Jersey, the heavy uh, Polish ethnic population, um, they threw heavyweight Damian Neba, who's 10-0, and 0, 6'7 yeah. on there against Kurt Harper. That's just interesting to me. Harper famous for walking out of the rink against a Jogba. But, you know, when Harper comes to fight, he can be okay. Um I don't know if you would have categorized Saturday night as one of those. It didn't end up being a good fight. Neba didn't look that good. But I did like the concept, the promotional concept of getting that guy out there in New Jersey and on the card. So I, I did want to It was to a concept card, really. Right, you know? right. It was a pretty good concept, pretty good concept of the card. I got to give it to him. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that, definitely. Um. Any other items that you want to talk about before we get into this uh, uh, Joe Joyce fight coming up? No, actually, of course, we went on a long time, but we, we, we did cover it all, I can say that. So uh, that that's a good wrap for uh, everything we saw last weekend. Yeah, and, you know, this fight, it's not one that um... – is some kind of great matchup as far as in the rankings or whatever. But when you consider, like, style-wise, it's a great matchup uh, yeah. as far as just TV fight. It's a TV fight. It's a t- it's a da- kind of a dangerous TV, TV fight in a sense um, because, you know, once again, he can just fight whatever and just wait for this WBO scenario to work out and this, this undisputed stuff to, to get sorted and all that. And, and he's in, he's in a great position and, you know, placeholder fights are different nowadays. I think it's more of like a, they're like lower than place, lower uh, placeholder sometimes, but, and I'm not trying to pop, prop uh, Zhang up or anything like that, but he, he's a fun fighter to watch. He's got some power. He's been in there with some good fighters. Um, clearly, Joyce, who's got a hell of a jab. You know, he's not the fastest guy. He's pretty slow-footed. He doesn't really have great defense at all. Well, not great defense. He, he just doesn't defend that well, but he could take a punch, and we'll see. I mean, a lot of people bring up Fundora. Well, you know, at the top levels, against guys with real deal power. Will that catch up to him, his whole style? Um, we'll see. But, you know, he's really, you know, ever since he, he, he went the distance um, a little while, well, actually more than a little while back now, but ever since he went the distance, the full 12 rounds um, with, uh, with Jennings, um, you know, he kind of, for me, started coming on the radar even more. Like, okay, it was nice for him to get 12 rounds. Um, now, you know, Ortiz took him out, you know, I think a fight after. Yeah, I think it was a fight after that uh, 
Jennings had gone 12 rounds against Klitschko, against Vlad, and then Ortiz had made, you know, pretty good work of him. And that's when HBO, before he went to the PBC, John, he was the King Kong. Remember, he was King Kong back then when he was with Golden Boy. Once he got to the PBC, he was old. But, um, you know, but, uh, yeah. I, I like, you know, that obviously the Daniel Dubois fight to close out 2020. You know, the one thing is this is his fourth fight since um, November 28, 2020. That kind of sucks, but it is what it is. We've seen plenty of fighters uh, go through this, especially after the pandemic and whatnot. Um, but the, that Dubois fight and uh, the, the, the Parker fight, too, the first half of the fight, it was, you know, it was a good competitive fight. And then, like, from round six to ten, I forgot what it was. I actually put it in my article day. It was like he landed, like, 40 punches and threw, like, 80 through that or something. Some kind of really, like, wow, this dude's active. And so he's just, uh, I don't know, he's such a fun fighter to watch. I, I kind of like his, his build and his climb, and he's been moved not too fast, but knowing you had to move him because, you know, he is, I think he's, well, he's 38 now, right? I think he's 38, 37. He's 37. Uh, funny enough, his, his opponent, you know, although, well, he's got more fights than him, but, you know, he's, he's not a, a young guy. He, I was, he's 39. So, I don't know. This Joyce, I think this is just a fun fight. It is what it is. You know, I, I'm not trying to prop it up, like I said, into some awesome fight, but I think it's a good TV fight considering he's he's buying his time for a big, big fight. And we know this undisputed thing, basically the undisputed since 2018, has just never come to fruition. Um, you know, I mentioned this, uh, this, this rumor early, you know, to close out the year with a crazy doubleheader. It'd be the craziest doubleheader in a long time. I'm not getting my hopes up for that, but um, I like the fight. I think it's just a good fight. It's kind of cool that he's got his own weekend. I, I do wish, John, that one of those cards would have been this weekend from the States, so we would only have two instead of three. But uh, what are your thoughts going in? Like I said, I think it's just kind of like, hey, this should be a good action fight. I think uh, Joyce will win by knockout, and I think he'll jab him to death to start out with. Um, because that's exactly what um, is uh, Hergovic did did really well in that fight. But he hurt Hergovic more than one time. Um, they both kind of gassed in that fight. That was like a, just a sloppy ass fun fight to watch. But what are your thoughts going in? Because Joyce is uh, positioning himself, you know, to get the big big one. Yeah, it's funny. The the odds don't reflect it, um, and you know nobody's going to pick Zhang, but yet it reminds you in a totally positive way, and it's ironic to me that it is going to be on in the late afternoon Eastern time in the U.S. It reminds me of one of those like CBS or NBC, you know, yes. fights on at five o'clock in the afternoon in the East, you know, on Wide NBC World of Sports. Sports. World. Yeah, CBS Sports Spectacular, ABC Wide World of Sports, when, you know, they would be putting competitive fights out, you know, in the afternoon every weekend um, on the major networks. And this is how a lot of fighters made their names and many memorable fights were seen. It reminds me of one of those kind of matchups, like, that they would put on. And 
you know, you would kind of, you know, you didn't have the media back then in terms of, uh, you know, newspapers were huge, but I mean like the quick media where you, you find everything out as it happens like nowadays with uh, Twitter and social media and getting your news online and everything. So like what I'm saying is back, back in the day, you would pick up like your, your TV section in your newspaper, like maybe a week before that and say like, yeah, like that looks pretty entertaining. You know what I mean? And like everybody'd be watching it. That you know you would be getting these huge viewerships in the in the United States. Um, it reminds me of that because yeah, you know there, there's two big guys who can punch who who actually had big amateur careers. Both of them did have big amateur career. Both uh, Olympic medalists. Zhang just hasn't shown the additional attributes Joyce has shown. You know Joyce, despite his size has shown tremendous stamina. Like you said, he's slow. He is very slow. You know, he he's become just about my favorite fighter to watch. So I'm I'm all the way on board with that. He's earned it and uh it's funny, Fondoro was one of those guys. He got knocked out last week. That doesn't mean that's gonna happen to Joyce, but it happened last week. I mean, I know a lot of other people who enjoyed watching Fondora as well. Uh he he was one of my favorites, Joyce is. I mean, guys that I really look forward to watching, definitely Joyce. So he he's right near the top, if not at the top for me right now in boxing. So totally looking forward to seeing him. Um, but he's got attributes that Zhang doesn't have, like the stamina, you mentioned the jab. Um, you know, so far he's shown in a, a better ability to take a shot. Though Zhang, even though he's been wobbled all over the place when he's gotten tired. He he hasn't been stopped. He, he he's almost been stopped, but uh, he has not actually right. been stopped yet. Um, just he's one of those guys. It's almost just the size. Just such a just such a massive dude. Um, that that seems to be what that's about. Now, what I think you know there are problems for Zhang in this fight. The first is the stamina. I mean, he's been horribly gassed against Forrest and Her Herkovic. Uh, that's a huge negative for him, and he's been hit a lot and been in a lot of trouble. Now, um, the other negative is, even though he has guys like that and very badly, um, he didn't end up being able to stop him. So those are the negatives. But now, what? What are there are still some pluses even for Zhang. Um, you know, Joyce is not hard to find or hit. Um, you're going to be able to hit him, especially with the right hand. And if you want to be hopeful for Zhang uh, for some action here and hoping something wild happens there. I do think there is still some reason for hope because a few moments, I mean, even though Jerry Forrest, not the greatest, he'd been relatively durable. And even though Zhang didn't knock him out, I mean, Zhang blitzed him early and he was hurt, you know, hurt him badly, dropped him multiple times before Zhang ran out of gas. Um, you know, this, this is, this kind of is reminiscent of, um, he, he's not on that level, but it, but it, it, it does remind me of 30 plus years ago when we were talking that way about old George Foreman, you know, like he was knocking out some of these guys that weren't that good, but you know, when he was getting ready to fight Holyfield, but then like the flashes that he showed against Jerry Cooney and Adelson Rodriguez, um, you know, the bombs he took those guys out with, it, it stayed with you, you know, and, and it turned out it was real. You know, when you saw what George Foreman did after that, ultimately winning the real lineal heavyweight title, you know, with a one punch knockout of Michael Moore, you know, that was all real. So 
getting back to Zhang, it, you know, it reminds you a little, just in that sense, not on that level of ability, but of like the old George Foreman, like where, you know, the flashes that Zhang has shown, like, you know, in dropping Forrest like that multiple times, blitzing him. And then, you know, he hit Herkovic with a couple of shots. And, you know, Chris, you remember that fight. I mean, this is not an exaggerated description. I mean, he just froze the dude. I mean, Herkovic's a big guy who had his own amateur career and got a medal. I mean, and, you know, Zhang hit that dude with shots that just froze him. I mean, just, like, stopped him, like, dead in his tracks. Like, it was for split moments where the dude didn't know where he was. I mean, he didn't know what arena he was in. Um, now, he survived. That's the bad part for Zhang. But, you know, those those are like those flashes, like when we talked about old George Foreman in the comeback, you know, when he, when he flashed that power against Cooney and Adelson Rodriguez, like – those flashes that Zhang showed in those two fights, a guy as open as Joe Joyce, I don't, you know, this is heavyweight. I don't care what Joe Joyce's chin's been up to this point. If you, you know, there's a chance he gets caught with something like that, he could be in trouble. Um, and that makes this fight interesting. So um, I don't think Zhang's going to have the intangibles and the all around attributes that Joyce has. I think. Joyce will just be too active because Joyce throws a lot of punches too for a big man who hits hard. I just think Joyce is just going to hit him too much, hit him too often. Zhang's not going to be able to handle that kind of pace, and that's going to enable Joyce to get him out, get get him out of there. But the part that keeps me interested in this fight is what I just described. If Zhang shows those flashes that he showed against Forrest and Herkovic, power against the wide open Joe Joyce who's coming forward, something could happen, and it could get wild. So. I'm totally there for that. Yeah, I think, what was it? I think it's, is it eight and a half I I saw on my book? Yeah, I think I saw eight and a half, um, if I remember correctly. And, I mean, I think it went by stoppage, but I got to admit, I'm kind of leaning at the over kind of lean into the over. I haven't placed a bet yet, full disclosure, but I kind of lean into the over on that one. But I think it'll play out like many of his fights. It'll be competitive until it's not, you know, and he just, he just starts out wearing the guy out. And, and But yeah, I mean, I think he is a fairly durable guy. And so I, right now I'm, I'm going to say over, but it's going to be a knockout. I'm not going to, I don't think it'll go the distance. It, you'd make some money if you picked him by decision or just pick the, you know, saying sometimes those yes or no questions that they have where it's just like, yes, it will go past the distance or it'll go the distance or it won't. Obviously, I think it's like, like a plus 423 on my bookie. I think it was something like that. But uh, I think it'll win by knockout, uh, Joyce. But, yeah, I like the fight. It's a good fight. It's good for him as far as getting the – uh the whole weekend to himself as far as, especially like, uh, you know, on social media, boxing Twitter and whatnot. But um, yeah, I think it's, I think he described it really well. And I think I'm going over, but not over to where it goes to distance. Yeah. Zang stamina worries me going 12. He just doesn't seem to, you know, with, with a guy that throws as much as Joyce, if this goes round, I mean, you got to figure Zhang's going to run out of gas where he gets stopped, um, even though he, sur- he, be- he survived barely with lesser opposition. But another factor out there, now, look, i got to be fair because, look, you know, you can't 
you can't look at it with biased eyes. I mean, other countries can look in and have problems with, you know, judging in the U.S. You were just talking about some of it, uh, referees in the U.S. doing certain things. But we do have to say, in fairness, the other way that there has been a trend, K, if the non-UK fighter takes a couple of shots, I mean, the thing, the thing, right. you know, the thing's over. I mean, and this is big heavyweights who are going to land bombs. I mean, so that's something. You can damn near shoe shine somebody, you know, right. <laughs> the quick punch. Yeah, that, that's what, like uh, Amir that's Khan what, used to do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to scare you on your over bet there, Chris, but that's one thing that that would be in the back of my mind. I that's mean, a great point. If, if Zhang's running out of gas and Joyce just, which Joyce does anyway, you know, Joyce right. is always throwing to his credit. I mean, you know, you know the way Zhang has run out of gas in the Forest and Hergovic fight. I mean, if he runs out of gas like that in the UK and Joyce is like you said doing a heavyweight version of shoe shot in him, uh, I mean, it's gonna, you know, it's hard to picture the fight not being over. Um, you know what? What about the uh, even though he was in bad trouble? Um, you know, Lorena and Dubois, you know, I mean, Lorena had Dubois and all kinds of problems. And then when he got rocked, the fight was over. Um, it's a, it's a, you know, let's, I hope that doesn't happen because I'm looking forward to this one. And I think with both guys having a chance, I'm not saying, you know, Joyce might not have an easy time. I like him a lot. I think he's for real. I'm a believer. Um, he he may just go through Zhang, just have too much all around, but, you know, Zhang with those moments against Forrest and Herkovic, Joyce is always open. I mean, you, you never know with a guy that big hitting you. I mean, Joyce might get moved. So uh, then I'd like to see both guys get a chance. But we'll find out. That's what that's what makes uh, heavyweight fights like this with two giants like this interesting. I, I'm I am really looking forward to it. There you have it. Any uh, any other? Um... Any other items you want to talk about before you get out of here? Thanks for coming on on a random Friday, too. I appreciate it. No problem, Chris. I'll just throw in one thing. Don't need to go on about it. Uh, we've had a lot of time, but uh, worth tying in. because I guess for me, it even though, yeah, you can say different market, but it still kind of fits with all the pay-per-views. You and I had both agreed, even though he's picked up a loss. I think it still, it still generates some interest. you got Jake Paul's going to fight Nate Diaz. You and I both thought that would be a good one. To generate some interest since Jake Paul's lost a split decision to Tommy Fury. It takes away a little, but it probably doesn't take away that much. But with that understood, you know, the zone's going pay-per-view on it. Even though Jake Paul's been on pay-per-view, you know, basically exclusively still, I mean, how, how many, how many pay, you know, how many pay-per-views? I mean, they, they can't, they can't all be supported. They just, they just can't. So, that's just another one that's out there. You know, kind of an interesting matchup, uh, if, if you don't mind that kind of stuff. I don't mind anything that, like I said, if I think it helps the sport, I'm, I'm there for it if it entertains me. But I don't like DAZN going pay-per-view on this, even though Jake almost seems like it would have been a nice thing for DAZN to say they're still serious about getting subscribers, but not not going to happen, you know? Right. No, I hear you. I definitely hear you on that. Well, enjoy the weekend. You know, hope you, uh, you know, everything's lovely. And um, we'll definitely talk next week. we got a big fight coming up. Thanks, Chris. Uh, 
enjoy the uh, fights over the weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, as always. All right. Take it easy. Have a good one. You too. All righty. Um, I did want to – yeah, so real quick, that Showtime card, because we, we had some shitty cards on that one too. Good, really good cards, though, but scorecards I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> we had Guido versus Jaye uh, Brown, I think it was, and uh, Guido. Uh, Schwam or Schwam, I can't remember his damn name, to be honest with you. But it was kind of like, um, you know, Brown like won a lot of the opening, maybe the first three or four rounds pretty cleanly. The fifth round was really, really close. Um, but then, Sh- was it, yeah, what the hell is his name? I know it's Guido, but it was like Schwam, Schwam, Schwam. Anyway. He won from, like, because he just started bringing the pressure. Uh, you know, he had Brown on the ropes. He was landing these looping shots. Just to give you an example, the sixth round, he landed 30 punches out of 103 thrown. And uh, I think it was the the seventh round, two of 108. I mean, this dude was winging shots. Um, and you could see Brown just wearing down, wearing down, wearing down. Um, like I said, stuck on the ropes. Uh, I really didn't overhand rights, getting the better of the, the exchanges. Um, first round, early right hands by that Schwam guy or whatever. Schramm, I think it's Schramm. That's what it is. Um, close strong. Actually, right hands to the head and body. And then Brown closed stronger. The first round, that was a close round. I had a question mark. I actually didn't score it. I thought the fifth round was really close. Other than that, I don't know. You look at it, one, two, three, four, five. You know, five, five, six, four, five, four, one. Guido is what I scored it. Um, once again, 98, 92, uh, 97, 93, you know. Um, the other ones. Anyway, this, was, this wasn't card that it was a good fight though it's like one one way brown one way traffic almost through the first four rounds and then completely the opposite completely the opposite of that um what else do we have oh yeah Shernard bunch that's right in brian flores um you know i had bunch let's see uh first i think three out of the four, five rounds the first three out of five i gave flores Started to land better using his jab more effectively in the fourth round, but for sure three, three to one after four. The fifth round, I gave it to Bunch. It was close, though. Then I thought, much like the other fight, um, that all of a sudden Brian Flores really, you know, started putting the rounds together. Um, landing good overhand rights. Uh, just closing the round, turning up the heat down the stretch. Um, then, like, later in the fight, it was, like, the eighth round. He was – a bunch was fighting at range. Um, but then, I, you know, I thought, I thought he did good in that first half of the seventh round, but it seems like Flores just landed the better shots, brought that pressure. And um, you started to see Bunch holding a little bit. Looks a little tired, in my opinion. 
those hooks to the body and head started kind of adding up. He was full-on tired bunch was at the end. I mean, you could maybe make an argument both of them were. Um, but Flores won uh, 95, 94, 96, 93, and 97, 92. Close fight. I had Flores winning or, or maybe a draw. It was a close fight, 6-4, 5-4-1, the old 5-4-1 that people hate when I say, but, you know, it is what it is, uh, you know. Um, actually, yeah, maybe that one scorecard was bad on that opening fight, that Guido fight, because, yeah, there was a 98-92. That was bad. Um, then we had Terry and Garcia. Right, Robert Terry, Raul Garcia. I think they were both unbeaten. Classic, like, prospect-type thing uh, on Showbox. Um, let's see here. I had Terry jumping out. Let's see. Three, four. One, two. Sorry. Um, one, two, three. Yeah, I probably had him winning. The, the third round was close. I had it three to two after five. The third round was really close, though. I thought Terry was countering with that left hand and following up with the right hand really well. Um, you did see him standing his ground a little bit more, landing better as the fight went on, uh, Terry. Uh, but Garcia, to me, um, you know, the jabs, he did start to um, – he was just more active, that's for sure, with both hands to the body. Um Seven, it kind of stalled out. The seventh round was super slow. Didn't know where to score, to be honest with you. I thought that Garcia closed better, you know, with the big shot. It was it was a draw, and I was okay with it. I'm looking at my scorecard. I'm like, maybe you could lean Garcia. Yeah, five to three, four three one. I, I would pick Garcia. That's what my scorecard says. But when you're at four three one and five to three, it's pretty close. Um, seventh round, like I said, was was tight. It's one of those where I'd have to go back and check it out again. I thought that the second, fourth, and fifth were pretty clean for Terry. And look at the, I mean, the punch stats, 92 to 91. Garcia busier, uh, landing like 24%, I think it says. Uh, but 455 to 309 as far as I'll phone him. But Terry was more effective as far as landing, you know, uh, accuracy-wise. Um, and then, more of the body work from Garcia. 77-75, one for Garcia. The other flip side of that, 5-3 for Terry, and then they had a draw. I thought Garcia should have got it, but um, I didn't think it was a horrible decision like some of these other uh, cards going on this weekend. Uh, like, and, you know, that was a good point. And, and I'm glad that what's-his-toes uh, John said that. I'm glad that he said that about the, the ref Foster was it William Foster, I believe? I did get some messages and saw my timeline light up about that when that got named. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's going to win the fight, right? He's going to win the fight. But um, I don't know. It's I, I, I get what they're saying. Um, and I actually had somebody message me um, that I shouldn't take the over. He's going to knock him out within six rounds. And that's fair, that's fair. I'm not, you know, not saying that's not possible. But, um, sorry, some of these messages. <laughs> wow. Wow. Anyway, 
Um, I'm actually getting some Timberwolves messages, which is always fun. <laughs> you would have thought that I picked them to win the championship with some of these messages. Hey, man, I, I to be honest with you, I did I did have a plus eight and a half. That that worked out pretty well. Um, in my mind, we're gonna see if Ant can come back and uh, show some life because. Whew, that was his worst game as a professional, or at least, I mean, yeah, I think it was his worst. It definitely his worst. Okay, so kind of interesting that Dimitri Bivol is saying, you know what, I'll come down to 168. I, I like it. I liked it when I heard before, um, you know, that Canelo was thinking about it, and, and Bivol said, hey, I can come down there. Um, but then – you know, for quite some time until this came out, these quotes um, came out, quite some time, like I said, it, we were thinking, well, it's going to be at 175, um, you know, it, it wasn't, there There was no ifs, ands, or buts, like it was just going to be there, and Canelo even said he wanted there, he doesn't want, you know, any excuses or anything like that, and wants to fight him at his weight or whatever, but this is uh, Bibble's manager, you know, saying that, and this is what's crazy. He said he's declared that Bivol will only, quote, unquote, only agree to rematch Canelo in September if it's at 168. And you think, man, like, okay, you know, like that's that's some balls. And I think on the flip side of it, there's some balls right there too, pause. Um I don't know. Like, I, I think that's great. That would be great. Now, is it smart for Bibble to do that? He must feel pretty damn good about making 168. And let's be honest, it's for undisputed. And he's probably thinking, dude, even if I'm like 85%, I can still do what I did. You know, watching that fight, he'd have to be pretty drained. I'd say borderline severely drained, in my opinion to lose against uh, Canelo Alvarez. So if I were Alvarez, I'd be like, cool, man, let's do it, you know? Um, but, man, that, that does I, – I don't know. It just puts pressure on him in a weird way because going up to 75, you lose against the Bibble, then you just turn to 168 maybe for the rest of your career. You fight Benavidez, you fight, you know, some other fights that, you know, at 168 he has to look better. Now, you could say competition, of course, but he really hasn't looked all that good at 175. But, you know, that jab, that Kovalev, and especially Bivol, a fresh, fresher Bivol than a fresh, you know, than not a fresh Kovalev. But that that was a competitive-ass fight he had with Kovalev. I'm not trying to downgrade, uh, you know, Kovalev. I mean, he was coming in. You know, people like to say fighters should be uh, more active, and, and I get it. I totally get it, but um, sometimes – that activity when it's too close can be too much, especially if your body, you know, if your body's not used to it or if you take a good beating at times or you get hurt during the fight, it can kind of mess you up like it did Kovalev. I'm not saying, oh, Canelo would have never won the fight or anything like that. That happened. But anyway, um, so, yeah, that kind of, that kind of, that's interesting. That interests me. I talked about this before we talk about the potential for the rumored heavyweight tournament. Um, the double header, the, the semifinal, basically the final four. Um, but yeah, 
it was really weird to see Joshua. My next fight, this is what he put on Instagram, my next fight is scheduled for December. Not ideal, but everything is part of, part of a big picture. And, but then, you know, not long after you had, you know, Eddie Hearn out there going, well, hold on now. You know, what, what do you mean? You know, like, we're going we're gonna to make a move. It's just a matter of what kind of move we're going to make when it comes to a July fight, you know? So, I don't know. It's kind of like mixed messaging, but, it, you know, to have a July fight against a, a Dillian White, you know, would that be a smart thing if you know you're going to fight Wilder next? You know, get another fight in, stay busy, have another camp with your trainer. Not a bad idea. This is what he said on Volume Sports. He said it other places, too. The Anthony Joshua versus Dillian uh, White rematch is the front runner for AJ next fight, uh, for AJ's next fight in July, he's declared. Um, and, you know, I, I did get a variety of messages about saying that that could be the case. Um, which, you know, whatever. It is what it is, man. It's, you know, don't don't shoot the messenger, man. It's not my fault. Um, but, and, and, you know, if he were to, I mean, shit, if he were to fight Wilder, that'd be different. Kind of all involved in this stuff, Barbosa Boxing sometimes comes out with some, this is on Twitter, that's his Twitter uh, hashtag, I said. <laughs> that's his Twitter handle. Um, I'm hearing Usyk versus Wilder and step aside to Dubois, but he deleted that tweet, so I don't know. Now, Bob Arum said on AG Cornerman, Bob Arum has named Andy Ruiz as a possible opponent for Tyson next, Tyson Fury next, in his UK summer fight. He said his hope is to, hope is now for Alexander Usyk undisputed in Saudi Arabia, November or December. So, you know, there is some pointing to this. It's funny because Tyson Fury team stunned Eddie Hearn. This is in the, the star uh, with the, the Battle of Britain request. Eddie Hearn was like, and I heard him say this in other interviews too. This is actually, I'm sorry, this is IFL TV. This was in the sun. Um, Bob Arum phoned me the other day, which was quite a surprise. Just talking about AJ Fury. He said, what are you thinking? And I said, I don't know. Uh, we're, all, we're all up for discussing the fight. I don't think there's a significant site fee in July, but we're still looking at the numbers, yada, yada, yada. Um, and, you know, he basically is like, we've got to decide what type of fight we want in July. Do we go straight into a massive fight now or no? And, you know, we've heard from multiple sources now that December is the time. And we've literally heard, you know, we're talking about Saudi Arabia, of course. And we've literally heard the, uh, what's that guy's name? The guy for the skill, uh, man, the skills challenge promotion promotion guy now. Oh, what the hell is his name? I forgot. I'm, I'm, I'm letting it down. I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah. Oh, as far as someone asked me what's next for Shakur, uh, it's, it's, that, that's kind of interesting. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, I know Devin Haney, Bill Haney's, you know, came out with some shit saying this, that, and the third. We'll see if it's true or not. Um, I mean, we probably won't know for a fact, but he was saying something about the Shakur fight that kind of makes you go, hmm, like that old song, things that make you go, hmm. Um, this is talk sport, though, just to wrap up some of this heavyweight tournament. Simon Jordan, like him or not, 
has revealed that he's heard rumors, and so he's not even saying sources, he's saying I've heard rumors, so have I, um, of a mega three-fight Saudi deal, Tyson Fury versus Oleksandr Usyk, Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder in December, then the winners will meet Usyk versus Daniel Dubois and Fury versus Andy Ruiz, supposedly happening prior. I mean... If we know that that's the plan, I am okay with that because I get waiting, you know, like waiting to fight each other for that big money, but then you wouldn't be actually waiting, you know. And by the way, that is August fifth in Dallas that Jake Paul uh, Nate Diaz on the zone. I suppose on the zone, maybe whatever. Um, so, oh yeah, and then it, it did get officially announced. Uh, for Tiafimo Lopez and, and Josh Taylor, June 10th at the MSG. Uh, tickets are on sale. Grab them. It's a great matchup. I really like that matchup. Um, <laughs> okay, so to okay, so what's next for Shakur? Well, I mean, if 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 Haney beats Loma, you could say Devin Haney. Uh, if Loma wins, will it be a rematch? Maybe not. Shakur Stevenson will probably get in there. Uh, you have Ortiz, you know, Jermaine Ortiz. You have um, you have uh, Murtala, um, or Murtada, Murtada, Raymond Murtada. My bad. Um, you have some fighters over at 135, you know, no doubt. Now on 78 Sports TV, Bill Haney said. And this is one of those, really, is this, if this is true, wow. According to Bill Haney, in light of his recent statements about Haney, poss- Haney possibly staying at 135, he and Devin went to Bob Arum, is what Bill Haney said. He went to Bob Arum to negotiate a contract extension to fight Shakur Stevenson at 135, and Bob Arum told him no this is an interesting development, to say the least. That's um, so yeah, and I heard him say that. Said that, hey man, we can we can do a we can do an extension when it came to this Loma fight. You can get, I'll give you a one fight extension or whatever. Maybe it would have been more if they would have actually given you the score fight. But going in the you know during the Loma, um, you know negotiations, that's what he said. Okay, I don't know that to be a fact. That's just what. He said, and I haven't heard a lot of pushback yet, but we'll see. Someone sent me a sweet help. Okay, so let's flip this on the other side. Uh, Devin Haney did have a tweet a long time ago that says, Loma is too small and too old, and that just so happens to be right around the time with Teofimo was facing. And and people are bringing that up because, because, you know, he's saying you got to give credit. Make sure you give credit. You know, right now to, to to Loma, don't say he's too old and all, all that type of stuff. Uh, which you know that that's how this that's how this game is played. You can always go back uh, and find something, especially with fighters going back and forth and back and forth and whatnot. And there was this also this um, what did, what did Devin Haney, Devin Haney said something? Look for the the freaking quote. He said something like, "Oh, here he is." Uh, Haney says Loma fight is more significant. Oh wait, no, that's something different. I'm on boxing right now. 
well, he did say that. But um, he said something like, hey, I want to, um, my next fight, and actually, uh, Shakur Stevenson said this too, that Gervonta makes sense. But Devin Haney says that, you know, my next fight would be, I, I would want to go against Gervonta if I beat Loma. Um, because that's where the money is. Shakur Stevenson said the same thing on Breakfast Club. That's where the money is. But just to flip it on the other side, uh, Devin Haney did say that uh, it was like this headline that he used to quote. I can't find it. But he, I don't know, it was kind of like, well, nothing at 140 really interests me. It's like, well, I mean, I don't know. Hey, come on, dude. You know, so lineal championship doesn't interest you? What do you mean it doesn't interest you? But, of course, I'm not saying it's a smart move to try to fight Gervonta. Now, that would come with another deal. They're not going to let you fight Gervonta for free. Or not for free, but, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> for, for uh, I'm distracted here. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Um, you know, they're not going to just be like, yeah, no problem. Um, and Joyce, I didn't see this yet because I was kind of busy during the day. 15 plus pounds lighter. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Is he overtrained? Maybe this thing will go over. Okay. I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. Okay. Um, just a couple of news items, then we'll get out of here. I mean, that would be ideal if, if that tournament happens. That'd be ideal, but I'm just not going to. So I saw Jorge Hernandez tweet this as far for uh, Mendoza, talking about that that interim WB, uh, w, was it, WBC, I don't know, something like that. Yeah, it's WBC. Anyway, he says he becomes just the seventh boxer from New Mexico to win a, I mean, he says a major championship, but obviously it's a, it's a Reggie, it's an interim. But Bob Foster, we're just, I'm just bringing this up because of New Mexico. Shots out. 1968, Bob Foster, Jan, uh, Johnny Tapia, 94, uh, Danny Romero, 95, Holly Holm, 2006, Austin Trout, 2011, and Angelo Leo. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, I did forget this. Shit, it's, it's, I did totally forget this, but it's been a long time since then. It's been over a week. The Pro Box. Um, damn good, uh, a, a good fight. But, yeah, the, the scorecards, speaking of scorecards, um, yeah. Uh, Alexander Duran, I believe it was, He, I think he won the fight. He won the fight. The, the fight did stop on a uh, headbutt, like a, a clash of heads. But the 58, 56, two of them, and 60 to 50, yeah, that, that was bad. That was bad. I'm glad someone sent that to me. Now, there's kind of mixed report from uh, the manager, Matt Rose, from Tim Zoo. They're talking about maybe staging a fight between him and Liam Smith in the U.K. this year, like June. Because he doesn't want to wait to July or maybe August, potentially September. But it's like, I don't know, man. If, if you got to wait to August, I, I think you should probably take the. Because, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think you should take the fight, dude. That's my opinion. But it just seems like you should probably take this fight first, dude. I don't know. I wonder if some injury happens. and I don't know, dude. Like, 
there's just it's so clogged up. Why not take it? Hey, if he takes, maybe they're going to push it to September, and then he wants to fight in June. That makes more sense. But yeah, I don't know, man. That, that's kind of interesting. Good fight though. Very good fight. I mean, very good fight. Um, someone boxing and barbecue. Bivol wants to fight Canelo at 168 for more belts, and his manager says Canelo made excuses for losing to Bivol at 178, but didn't make excuses when he won against Kovalev. Well, he did say he didn't look as good. By the way, Joshua Franco um, and uh, Kazuto Ioka will have a rematch June 24th in Tokyo. That's Dan Raphael's source, by the way. Yeah, someone sent me this here. Howard Foster, it was right, has been assigned uh, to the fight. Um, that Fabio Wardley coffee premature April 1st it has a history of questionable stoppages. So, um, yeah. By the way, some interesting news here. Great Britain and the U.S. have already joined forces with a new breakaway amateur boxing federation. A new amateur federation named um, World Boxing, named World Boxing, is seeking recognition from the International Olympic Committee in hope of keeping boxing in the Olympic Games. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice. This is from IFL-TV, their source. Hold on. No, it's Planet Sport Comp. Someone sent me this. It's Planet. It says source, Planet Sport Comp. Anyway, it says, Manny Pacquiao's advisor, Sean Gibbons, has confirmed that a deal has been agreed to for Pacquiao and Connor, and he's, and he's awaiting a response ready earned. Um, the Triple B of C, the BBB of C, have now ordered Fabio Wardley to defend his British heavyweight title versus Fraser Clark next. Purse bids May 10th. Okay, that's a good fight. That's a good fight. Now, here's Regis Prograde, right? He just talked about, oh, uh, you know, I'm a free agent. I want to fight. I want to do this. I want to do that. The politics have kind of slowed me in my career. I'm, I'm a free agent. I'm ready. And all of a sudden he says, so, rumor has it, and that's just a way, weird way to say it for a fighter, but so rumor has it that I could possibly fight Manny Pacquiao if and when he returns. I always wanted to get a picture with him during – or pitching with him, but I never thought it would happen during a face-off. <laughs> and he said, Viva, his <laughs> manager. Javante uh, Davis, just to kind of, you know, go with this stuff here, uh, the 135 stuff, we've been quoting it. This is complex. Javante Davis has confirmed that Devin Alexander, Jesus Christ, did I do that? By the way, one. Devin Haney, Vasily Lomachenko, and Shakir Stevenson are on his hit list for future fights. I got some people I want to get. Um, it'd be different. Oh, yeah, because he said he'd be different fighting him because he'd be going to them because of styles and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, it turns out that uh, the board, the British board, the reason why uh, that fight is off over there. Um, okay, she has a, a permanent lens in her eye. Uh, she has boxed with her whole career, but the doctor wouldn't license her. Like I said, they, they did license her in 2019. Now, that's a while ago. But uh, Lucy Wildheart will replace Christina. So at least, uh, you know, there's still going to be a fight and whatnot because that, that is a lot of that's a, a lot of expense. You know what I'm saying? Now, this is uh, Fino Boxing, and I, I heard this in a variety of places too. Showtime, Steven Espinoza has stated 
that he will make it a real, really aggressive offer to Canelo Alvarez for David Benavides' fight if there is an opening later this year after John Ryder. However, he added that Benavides versus David Morrell is also a possibility. Speaking of Morrell, a lot of people were, because, you know, he, he fights in Minneapolis, so they want to get after me, Lord. But um, I've mentioned Vladimir Shishkin a bunch uh, in the last six months or whatever, for a, a, probably longer for an opponent for him, and I think that'd be great. But here's the deal, and this is where boxing plays a part. You know, first of all, he's in the IBF ranking as the number two IBF and William Skull. William Skull is there. You have Vladimir Shishkin, two. One is William Skull. Okay, he's an unbeaten fighter. And the IBF usually doesn't play as much, right, when it comes to ordering shit. And they'll strip somebody. They'll strip a bitch. No, I'm sorry. That was just a joke. Um... So that's why he's in that realm. Okay, so I can – what's his toes? You know, Morell loved him to death, but he doesn't have a real belt either. <laughs> so it's like, why wouldn't he fight a guy that he could maybe beat over? Because I don't think he beats Morell, and it's not even for a real belt. That IBF may, can't, may come loose. But anyway, uh, the Egbeko, he's actually off the card. He's off the card. Now it's Yamaguchi. Yamaguchi, who actually at the WBA is ranked sixth. That actually just came uh, over not long ago. So that's going to happen. It is what it is. Eh, you know, whatever. William Zapata uh, is fighting Jamie Arbo. What is it? What's his name? Ar- Arbol- Arboleta? I think it's Arboleta. That's uh, April 29th. Yeah, that's the that's what they're doing. That's the main event for this, the Ortiz Stanonius postponement. So that's going to be in Arlington. They did offer you can get a discount or you can get your money back. But uh, I think it's a good fight. You know, it just doesn't necessarily you know scream um, main event or whatever. But I, I like the fight. Speaking of not screaming main event, here's Eddie Hearn's tweet. After nearly a year out of the ring, he's back. Edgar Berlanga, MSG, will be wild June 24th. He's Berlanga Quigley, June 24th. What's the fight after that? I don't know. Did I mention that Badu Jack, the newly crowned, uh, this is IFLT tweet. Someone sent me this. The Saudi Arabia-based Skills Challenge promotion. I just mentioned them. Uh, Badu Jack uh, has signed a deal with them, which, you know, not a big shocker. Also, Jared Anderson, based off last weekend, it sounds like uh, July 1st, they're, they're looking to, to schedule it in Toledo, Ohio, which I really like. So that's pretty dope. That's really dope. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. Definitely glad to hear that. Um, oh, and then uh, added to that Taylor Lopez, uh, Ronald Cruz. Ronald was Diablo? Yeah, Diablo. This is the boxing source. Um, good follow, by the way. Xander Zayez is added to that card. He's taking on a cruise. Remember, he got hurt. So, that's kind of cool. This is Joe Martel. And for all those that say boxing needs to follow the UFC and make the best guys fight each other, if 
is the UFC going to have at least 25 top 10 matchups in the first half of 2023? Because boxing is. Yeah, this year has been damn good, dude. People uh, are just looking at some big fights, but they haven't been paying attention. Um, did you do? Oh, this is uh, from Dora. Winning and losing is part of the game. I gave it all. I gave it all, but um, today I came up short. Thank you to my fans for the support. And you know, the setbacks are opportunities to learn and grow. Being champion is about heart and determination. I'll be back stronger than ever. That's 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 dope. This is Ke- uh, Keith Eidick's, um tweet about um, Shakur. So the last, so the announced attendance is ten thousand four hundred eight, which was higher by like three hundred than last than September. Uh, also, the highest grossing boxing event at the Prudential Center eight hundred forty seven thousand. That's that, that's really good news. Okay, let's go Twitter real quick and then get the hell out of here. A little boxing Twitter. Oh boy. Oh boy. Okay, someone sent me this. This actually looks like it's from a boxing scene. Just off my experience uh, online as a boxing fan. This this appears to be a not a tweet. It appears to be a boxing scene uh, thread post. That's what it seems like to me. Anyway, list uh, list of excuses when Loma beat Haney. So when Loma was the champ, a specific group of seemingly bipolar people were screaming that he was avoiding Tio because he would be carried out on stretchers. The injured Loma took the fight, didn't get battered. Yes, he lost on points, but still looked better than Loma. Look better than Lopez? I don't think so. Now these people are foaming. What? Foaming that he took the Tio fight to fight. Oh, to duck Haney. Well, actually, it was more about people were saying potentially that he ducked Haney because of the, the franchise thing. It wasn't about ducking. We knew the Tio FEMA fight was going to happen soon. Uh, what's on the list of excuses? When the one-dimensional Haney gets schooled by Loma. Man, somebody. Speaking of bipolar, somebody's hot. Um, This is rolled. Lots of props to Brian Mendoza after uh, last night. But uh, what does that say for where Jesus Ramos should be in the pecking order? Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, one right there. Oh, and his weight, this is Warrior Boxing. Uh, Mendoza says in a clip that he can make 154 with no issues. He also says later that he can also fight at 160. Uh, What we are looking at here is something super special, a title holder at one division that can move freely between divisions and also dominate no matter what kind of can. Okay, so this is Warrior Boxing. Charlo has said that Tim Zhu is next. Mendoza is the interim title holder. And by designation of the interim label would be the logical next step. But um, the great situation Mendoza finds himself in, he's got to wait, he can stay busy, make fights, and win, do it at all. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Um, Julio Cesar Martinez versus Ronald Batista, Alexander Vostik in uh, Boltonics, I think it's how you say that. And then um, Gabriel Venezuela against Stevie Spark. That is, 
Actually, no. The the Martinez fight didn't that get? Someone sent me a tweet. A screenshot of bad left hook uh, tweet. Shots on the bad left hook, by the way. Um, that Martinez fight's off, isn't it? Maybe I'm tripping. I thought I saw that. I thought I saw that. Like I said, maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm not wrong. No. Um, this is Adam SN Boxing. When watching Kinshira Kinshira on Saturday, I was so impressed. Ow. Damn it. Sorry. Um, I'm all out of sorts here. So impressed with his footwork, in and out, side to side, perfect balance, can throw at all ranges. Anyway, Ioka are similar, excellent, uh, similarly excellent with those attributes. The high-level instruction coaching in Japan deserves more attention, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a great point, Adam. That's a great point. This is Leave It in the Ring. What's up, Ruff? So Canelo has his fight with Ryder next. Ern is already starting Berlanga Road next year. Oh, stating Berlanga Road next year leads to Canelo. But it's Benavides who needs to jump the hoops. Yeah, we'll see how that works. We'll see how that works. Okay, I think I'm going to get out of here. I think I'm going to get out of here. I think that's about it. All right, well, like I said, sorry about this week. Things got in the in the way. Um, probably did too long of a show for you guys this late, but we'll be back next week regardless, all right? Until then, let's hope we got ourselves a good fight here on Saturday. Enjoy the weekend, dude. It's been nice here. The weather started changing last weekend, and, like, Sunday was really nice. Monday through Friday. It was just gorgeous. It hit like 87 on Tuesday, which in April in Minnesota, 87 hot as fuck. It was awesome. It's been nice all week, right? It was 82 today, something like that, 81. It's got a chance to snow on Sunday. I'll leave you at that. All right, I'm out of here. Enjoy. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when, if I 